Welcome back, everybody. Come on in, sit down. It's time for part two. I hope you brought your beverage. Oh, wait, that's wrong podcast. Um, welcome back to part two, everybody. So we have Blood of Zeus again, and I made sure to be watching Hannibal this time, and holy shit. Yeah. <sighs> So how about that, Blood of Zeus? Before then, I also wanted to, uh, I forgot, but I've also been playing Bleach Brave Souls, which is a phone mobile game, but it's also on Steam. Um, And it's controller supported. Hmm. Now that I'm able to play it with just an Xbox controller on my uh, TV, it's actually probably one of the best. uh, It is a gotcha game. But if you don't, even if you don't put it so far, I haven't put, I haven't put a single dime into the game and I've been getting mostly all the stuff that I want and need just by playing it. Um, and so far it is, it is turning out to be one of the best Bleach games to have ever been released. Like, which surprises me. <laughs> so that's but that both surprises me and uh, saddens me that we have not gotten another good bleach game. I think the only other one I could say is a good bleach game was the one for the 3DS. I forget the exact name of it, but you basically it was like a team management game. Um, that's the mm. only one. I, that's the only other one I could think of. Um, but yeah, pretty good. I've been playing it and I have been enjoying it. So. Uh, just a heads up out there to anyone who might be who likes Bleach, you know, in the first season of it, because ugh, like once you get past <laughs> once you get past Soul Society and a little bit past, I actually like the Arankar arc. I know that's not a very popular. Uh, most people, most people are like most of the fan base of Bleach is like it ended after the Soul Reaper arc because everything past that is just dumb. Um, I actually like the Arankar arc all the way to its end. There are things about it I didn't like, but overall, I like the Arankar arc all the way to its end, and I feel like Bleach really started going downhill after the Arankar arc. Once they got into Full Bring and the 100-year Blood War with the freaking like Quincy's and shit, like it. once they got into all that shit, it was just like, oh, fuck. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> um... <laughs> but, uh, but yeah so we're gonna do blood of zeus first yes okay so blood of zeus how about that blood of zeus oh first off did you catch the references i was i talked about last week they were in episode five no i absolutely didn't they were lost okay. on me I, <laughs> I apologize for being bad at that. Okay, so the first reference is when Alexia walks into Chiron's, like when they interact with each other, mm. and uh, they basically quote Bruce Lee, you know, absorb what's useful, discard what's useless, and and make it your own. That's like a, one of the carry out carry away quotes from Tao of Jeet Kune Do. Okay. And then the second one comes from Empire Strikes Back <clears throat> when the demons pop up and 
Chiron's like, I'm sorry they got here just before you did. Yeah. I I have something to say about I, I definitely have something to say about the demons, but I want you to go because I have lots of notes from these two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so <sighs> Heron see if you hadn't said it it wouldn't like be it wouldn't have tainted blood of zeus for me this second go through heron is literally the worst demi demi god demi human whatever in greek history he is he's garbage <laughs> like he's and the thing is the pro, the problem is he takes way too much after Zeus. Zeus didn't even raise him, and he still takes too much after him. <laughs> right. it's, it's amazing. Um, continue, continue. Yeah, and uh, so at, at this point in these two episodes, Zeus finds out that Hera's sticking her nose into all this shit, even though she told him, you're not supposed to meddle, and if you meddle, that's death, but she's fucking doing it anyways. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just because I'm a, I'm a chest, chest guy, but Hera's, like, I can't, like, she's, she's pretty, but she, she lacks the qualities that I like that would let me look past her bitchiness. Yeah, she's... Uh... There, it's like there's something kind of off about her, but you shouldn't. <laughs> to be okay, so to be fair, you should never look past someone's bitchiness just because they're pretty. That is a really <laughs> bad habit. <laughs> um, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't don't do that. But I absolutely understand what you mean. I'm personally not attracted to Hera, um. But I understand what you mean because there are characters where I'm like, man, you're such a bitch. I hate you. If only you weren't so hot. (laughs) (laughs) If only you, if only somehow you weren't created in a way that hits every check on my list. (laughs) Um, And, 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 and uh, so like, like I said, I'm a chest guy, and even though she's wearing like the like you basically see everything but the nipples, mm. she just doesn't do it for me. There was, I think it was uh, when when Zeus and it's, that's episode six, but when Zeus brings Heron up to um, Olympus, I think you can see Athena in the group because she's kind of you see one female goddess or a goddess who's a little muscly wearing armor and has a sword on her hip. She's cute. That I like her. And then I think you can even, I think you saw, um, Oh, what's Aphrodite. She's, she's hot too. Probably a bad attitude, but yeah, whatever. And then I even saw Dionysus on the second watch through because you'll know it's him because he's got the, uh, like the flushed face under his eyes and he's wearing the, the grapevine around his head. Mm. And, and go ahead. 
Oh, no, I was just going to uh, say I wasn't paying that much attention. I think I saw Athena. I think it was the chick you're talking about who was talking with Ares when they were back on Olympus when uh, yeah. Heron is brought up there by Zeus. Um, yeah. I think that's who that was. But outside of that, I didn't really recognize. I wasn't paying it enough of attention to recognize anyone else. Maybe on a second watch through, I would, but I wasn't looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> and it, what I what I found interesting in episode six is uh, you see Hephaestus, and uh, oh yeah, I do I, remember seeing Hephaestus, yeah. But because I watch stuff with subtitles on, mm-hmm. he's referred to as God Six, which I thought was kind of weird. Because probably I mean, another he, thing with the writers. Yeah, and uh, so another th- another reference to the original Clash of the Titans was the owl that was sitting next to him, unless mm. that's part of Greek mythology where Hephaestus has a mechanical owl. No, I Hephaestus created a, me- a mechanical owl for uh, Athena. That is actually a uh, a part of Greek mythology because she was synonymous with. I forget the exact story. I know I read it, um, but it, I don't know if it was an apology from Hephaestus for doing something, or if he did it as a gift for her for like a birthday or some something. Um, but he created a mechanical owl for her. Um, Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> or some so, or maybe uh, she visited him and she liked he had created it already and she visited him and liked it, so he let her have it. Something like that. Hmm. Something like that, yeah. And uh <clears throat> oh, okay. And I was actually finishing up episode six when we started this, and uh, I just thought it was hilarious how when uh, when Zeus brought Aaron up and was trying to do the training montage with him, mm-hmm. he just couldn't. He just couldn't fucking do it. <laughs> like hey. like the first time around, you know he he's got the sword, the shield, the helmet, and then the giant mechanical pikeman jumps down off the pillar and then just proceeds to hand his ass to him like ten times in a row. Yeah, <laughs> and here's my thing with that. I'm sitting here like, uh, guys, maybe you should, oh, I don't know, teach Heron what he should be doing. At no (laughs) point in time do they ever instruct him. They literally just put him in front of this thing and go, go swing at it. Figure it out. (laughs) I'm like, dude, even normal humans give their soldiers instructions. They don't just give them weapons and go run at the enemy, figure it out. Those of you who have natural talent will come back. (laughs) Like, I'm like, God. And and the thing, and this is one of the things I made a note about too. And the thing is, Zeus wants to then come down and yell at him like he's doing something wrong. But no one taught him what to do right. No, no <laughs> one. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, how the fuck did you guys win wars? How did the Titans lose to you? 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're not, you're not wrong. I just, I just thought it was hilarious how, you know, he was trying like, he, and even, even Zeus had said, you know, you have too much anger, you know, this and that. And he just, he was just like, yeah, whatever, dad, I'll do it how I want to do it. And then just kept getting his ass handed to him. And I made a note about that too. I'm like, Zeus, how the fuck? It, it, <clears throat> Zeus is yelling at him about his anger, but he's not telling him why the anger is a problem. He doesn't even say that his anger is the problem. He just yells at him, Heron, you're you're uh, relying on your anger. You're turning to it. And then that's it. And it's just, he's like, you're, you're turning to it and you think that's power. This is power. And then he blows up the, 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 the mechanical dummy. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not teaching him. You're not telling him what the difference is. You're just telling him that you, you you turn to your anger because you think it's power, but this is power. Well, you do know Heron can't throw lightning bolts, right, dumb fuck? <laughs> it, like, you're not teaching him a lesson by doing that. So it would have been different if he'd have been like, I see myself in you with your anger. And when I look back on it, I understand it was my anger that was always my biggest weakness. And you need to let go of your anger and be more calm. And then I think you will get – no, he just goes, Heron, you're, you're, you're letting your anger overtake you. You're turning to it. You're relying on it. You think it's power. But this is power. And then he just blows up the doll. And I'm like, where is the lesson in that? <laughs> like, what are you trying to tell him, other than showing, o- o- other than showing him that you can throw lightning bolts and he can't? <laughs> well, they they kind of they kind of allude to it in the in the intermission when uh, when Heron is stormed off, and then he's like sitting by a fountain. Then Zeus like walks up stands there for a minute quiet then turns around and then goes to leave but then realizes oh maybe i need to do something fatherly for once yeah and actually i thought that was a really good scene there were two good scenes between these two episodes well there were two good scenes in the entire series so far this was one of them (laughs) i thought it actually was a really good scene and if they could have done more of this, this could have been a good story. Dude, I had so much fun watching these two episodes. I laughed so much. And there were so many times when I was like, wow, this is so dumb. I'm having so much fun watching this be so dumb. And then we got <laughs> to this scene, and I was like, that's really good. That's really good. Why couldn't we? Was there one person who actually knew what they were doing and they got to work on this specific part? Because this is really like good. He was, he was there that day for the animation. Yeah, the like, right. <laughs> like maybe their supervise whoever supervises their writing and gives them the okay was like, why don't we do it this way? And then that it, it, like, or I don't know, somebody maybe someone maybe one of the writers was coming down off of their drug high um, and, <laughs> and was like, let me do some real work for this scene. Like, 
it was such a good scene. And and for those listening, basically what the scene was is Heron is sitting on a bench, basically, um, and you know, feeling bad. Uh uh, and Zeus comes over and he's gonna say something, but then he stops and then he turns and he turns around, starts walking away, and then he stops. And he's like looking down, and you can see that he's kind of struggling with himself. And he turns back to Heron and he basically tells him, look, I don't know how to do this father thing. I never had a father. Uh, I didn't have a good relationship with my father. Um, I had never <laughs> known my – well, he was like, I never knew my father. And then when I met him, I killed him in order to save my brothers and sisters. So I'm doing the best I can. And it would basically that's how the right. scene played out, and I was like, "That is such a good scene because it allowed you to see it. It is Zeus saying that he is not perfect and he's doing the best he can, but it's also him not just being <clears throat> the asshole he's been being the entire series. Um, <laughs> and it was him showing actual affection for his son." Um, whereas before his son felt just like something he was protecting because the blood in Heron was the blood of the woman that I guess he loved. I'm I'm not sh- like literally there are times when it's like, why would you so you'll do this now, but you wouldn't save her then? Like, what the fuck, man? If you're gonna break the rules, break the rules and save the thing that you say you love. Like, but mm. Yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, and then uh, uh, Hermes comes along and, and tells Zeus that, you know, uh, Athena has been no Hera's working for the enemy. Yeah, the Thera, yeah, or working with, yeah, and then you know he he gets pissed, and then and then we have the kind of the uh, the split after. <clears throat> after Zeus brings Heron up to Olympus, like I want to say almost all the gods except for, Oh, hello sheep. You're just what I was looking for. Um, almost all the gods except for Hermes decide to um, go to Hades and, and wait because, uh, or the underworld wait because Hades offered protection for those gods who didn't want to, you know, fuck around and find out. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. So once again, good guy Hades being the good guy, not being an asshole, not sticking his dick where it doesn't belong. Yeah. And 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 there was that, that part too when he when he brings Heron to to Olympus and all the gods are gathered, and you know Zeus does does the the good thing of saying you know this is my fault. You know, all of this is my fault. The war is my fault. This is my fault. That's my fault. Blah, blah, blah. But that's the, well, sorry for interrupting, but that's the thing. It really kind of isn't. I mean, like, it, it, everything he, not everything he admits to is his fault. There are things that are his fault, right. but not everything is. But he just takes the blame anyway. But continue. Yeah. And then you, you think he's, you think it's almost going to be okay until Hera's like, I'll forgive you under one condition. I want his head. Yeah. And, and then, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. 
And then that's when Zeus is like, that I cannot do. And then she's like, well, you're fucked then, aren't you? (laughs) Dude, the moment he was like, the moment she said under one condition and Zeus was like anything, I was like, why would you fucking say that? Why would you fucking tell her anything? Because I already knew what she was going to ask for. And she was like, his head. And Zeus immediately, that's the one thing I can't do. And I was like, dude, why didn't you say if you are able? Why would you fucking say anything? Because you, you knew. This is the same woman who has been calling Heron's mother a whore every time she refers to her. Throughout this entire series, every time Hera refers to Heron's mom, she calls her a whore. Every time. Yeah, She's that, never referred to his mom whore. by name. Yeah. She has been actively <laughs> trying to kill his mother and Heron this entire time. <laughs> I'm just like, Zeus, you're an idiot. Why would you say that? Uh, yeah. No, I can't. But yeah, and then uh, I'm gonna have to wait until I rewatch seven and eight. But I want to say that um, Poseidon has some kind of play in in the power dynamic but i can't i can't think of it the the (laughs) well it's nothing to do with that what it seems to be you you have to remember the three most powerful gods are hades poseidon and zeus they are the three strongest gods on the pantheon so what i think all the looks and poseidon's um direction are is Hades has already decided to be neutral in this entire conflict. He's not siding with anyone. So the reason Zeus keeps giving him looks is because he's wondering who Poseidon is going to side with. Because whoever Poseidon sides with is probably the side that's going to win. Right. And okay, so also then in, in these two episodes we're introduced to the smugglers, um, I forget what the one dude's name is, but the African fellow's name is Kofi. Mm-hmm. And we find out he was a, a three-time Pancration champion. And if you don't know what Pancration is, that's essentially the Greek mixed martial art. Like that's their wrestling mixed with, you know, punching, kicking and joint manipulation, all that fun Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And so so we meet those two characters. Chiron comes back. Oh, and we also find out what the deal is with the map. That was in that was uh before the that was after the Bruce Lee reference and then before the um Empire Strikes Back reference. Mm-hmm. Which is it's a you know, it's a, it's the map of the labyrinth, but to find out where you need to go to find the entrance is you have to look at the constellation Cassiopeia, which he's like, yeah, it's a star map, so you gotta you gotta do this and this. And the the interesting thing that uh, so um, we find out that the demons got there before Alexia did, 
and he gives, you know, he, you know, gives her up or like he pretends to give them the map spoiler. If you didn't, if you didn't notice when, uh, when she started fighting and the table got knocked over and the map was on the, on the floor and like the jar of whatever the hell that was like spilled over. And then when Seraphim threw his bident down, Chiron grabbed Alexia in a bear hug and started stepping back. And if you noticed when he stepped in that, whatever that stuff was, he kind of grinded his hoof into it mm-hmm. and then started stepping back onto the map. So he, he essentially hid the map under the guise of, you know, trying to keep her from getting herself killed mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then surrendering the map, which wasn't the map because, you know, this is Chiron we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so go ahead with you. You said you have pages, so go, go for it. I've got, I've got a page and a half for Hannibal. Okay. Okay. So, uh, let's see. Okay. So Alexia shows up, like when Alexia shows up at the centaur village, I'm like, why do I feel like Alexia is pulling a Logan and getting an entire family killed when she knows she's being pursued by an enemy has no problem killing everyone they come across. It's <laughs> like you are being pursued. You know you're being pursued by an enemy has no qualms about killing anyone. And you're gonna just go to a village of people. Alright. <laughs> now it didn't turn out that they were killed, but the, the point was but the reason that was is because they got there first and basically told Chiron, help us catch her or we'll kill all your people. Um also, we'll, we, let's go back to the map. So, first off, mm-hmm. why doesn't Alexia burn the map? Why didn't she just destroy it? She knows they want it for some reason, and they're chasing it really hard. So, it's probably the only one of its kind. Why doesn't she just burn it? Well, because she doesn't know what's on it, and it might give some insight into what the enemy's plan is. Okay, so she takes it to Chiron. He tells her exactly what it is. It will take them to the middle of the labyrinth. Why don't they destroy it then and there? Well, then they get attacked by Seraphim and stuff. Okay. And then Chiron hid, gave them the wrong map, and then later on gives her the real map. Why don't they just burn the map? It apparently is the only map that can show them a way through the labyrinth. And what's in the labyrinth is the souls of the giants. So it's very obvious. Well, no, what's in the labyrinth? What's in the labyrinth is the body of the giant. No, what's in the labyrinth is the souls of the giant. Remember, the bodies were cast into the the sea, and the souls of the giants were put into that giant jar and being guarded by Talos, which is actually – there's another real – there's another point about Talos as well. Um, But the only thing in that labyrinth – is the souls of the giants. And if the souls of the giants get out, they'll go back to the giants' bodies and the war will start back up. Why didn't they destroy the map immediately? Immediately. There is no reason that map should there's no reason that map should exist. And I was watching these shows and I was like, wow, 
plot armor isn't the hero this show deserves, but it's the hero it got, and plot armor cannot be stopped. All of our faith, all of our prayers go to plot armor, which gives us its power. It is going to win the day. <laughs> all hail the plot armor. And then we have we have uh, Hera have Seraphim go back to get the sword. And and this whole time we were like Heron never uses the sword. Seraphim gets the sword. What possible fucking reason could there have been for this sword to have even have been made? And then we find out, oh, well, first off, Zeus had Heron craft a fucking lightsaber because that's what it is. It's a <laughs> fucking lightsaber. <laughs> like Hera is explaining what the sword can do and apparently it can cut through any material in the known world what any stone any metal why any aren't there metal. other weapons like this and why would he craft one now and then Zeus just forgot it existed and left it in a fucking rock no no Heron took it and threw it. And right, it and then rock. everyone forgot it existed. <laughs> just forgot it even existed, just left it in the rock. So Seraphim... I, I told you, I told you, I told you. <laughs> and, the, and you know, the only reason that sword was crafted is because, like Harris said, she wanted Seraphim to go get it so that he could use it against Talos. That is the only reason the sword was crafted. And I was like, wow. What a fucking letdown for what that sword is. And I'm sitting here like, wait, 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 wait. Zeus had a sword created that could cut through anything. Where the fuck were these weapons when they were fighting the Titans and the Giants? Remember, the only reason that the gods were able to defeat the Giants is because they literally talked two of them into defecting. That was the only reason they won. Where were these weapons then? How did he know that you could make a weapon like this? And why would you give a weapon like... Why would you leave a weapon like that in the mortal world? It can cut through anything. And at first, I thought, well, he Heron was going to need the sword to be able to kill the demons in the cult, right? No. They can be killed with normal weapons. And fire! <laughs> like, the demons mm -hmm. have, like, hard <laughs> parts on their body, but for the most part, they're just covered... Uh, the darker parts on their body are, like, metal armor, but the the lighter parts are just normal skin. So if you know where to stab and cut, you can kill them just like anyone else. And fire fucking kills them. Fire just kills them. You light them on fire, they're dead like anyone else. Literally, the humans could have just raised an army and stamped this out in the first fucking episode. But the humans didn't know all this until, you know, 
Yeah, but someone did like, know, and if they'd had enough to sense to actually tell people, then the humans would have known. Alexia knows. She had a contingent of trained soldiers with her. Oh, she knows. No, she knew then. She was able to. She's known since episode one. <clears throat> she has known since episode one. She cut the dude in their one fight. She knew then. She burned the dude, knowing it would reveal him to be a demon. So they knew that that was a thing before they ever even got to Heron's village. She's known since since minute one. <laughs> Didn't tell anybody you apparently. Have story. Um. So. Also, the fact that when they're on the boat. And Heron uh, and the uh, the two other guys get get they get themselves free uh -huh. by doing the stupid cliched. We get in a fight, and you bump me into the guy with the keys, and I snatch the keys off of him, and then we get free. <laughs> and then they go about just kicking the shit out of all of the cult members. The guys who have the strength to throw around marble pillars. The black dude just outright grabs one dude and restrains him while Heron kills him. And I'm like, why are these guys considered dangerous? It, a boat of slaves just took over the fucking boat. Just killed all of them. Why are they, why are they a threat? The only one who's a problem is Seraphim. All the rest of them, you can just kill like anyone else. Why are they such a threat? I, I, I'm trying to find out why these guys are such a problem. They don't seem to be any stronger than a normal person, at least not anymore, because the plot's inconsistent as fuck with that. You can stab and cut and kill them just like anyone else because Heron shoved the sword up through the dude's head and he died. You can light them on fire. If you're finding it hard to cut them with weapons, you can just light them on fire and they die. Why are these guys a threat? Oh, they're not, except for when the story needs them to be. Plot armor to the rescue again. And I'm sitting here... <laughs> I'm like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm just like this is this is so stupid. Um it, like the only it, like even when you watch them rowing the boat, they, they they're in manacles, right? They've got like 2 feet of chain. Mm -hmm. You could be like, well, they can't they can't take over the boat because they're constantly in manacles. And I'm sitting here like looking at them rowing the boat. I'm like, dude, they're they have like two feet of chain in between their manacles. You could literally jump up and <laughs> strangle one of the guards to death easy. There's 20 of you. They're, the only reason any of these guys haven't just killed the guards and taken over the boats is because reasons. And if you remember in the first episode when we saw one of the cult members throw the marble pillar, it took two guys using a pillar as a fulcrum with chains to hold him down. 
but now none of them have super strength anymore. What was even the point of them eating the giant meat? What did it do outside of giving them bad skin? (laughs) I'm trying to understand the benefits here. I'm trying to understand the benefits here. There didn't seem to be any. Ruin your skin and get no other benefit. (laughs) Especially when your leader has no issues killing you on a whim because you lost the fight. <laughs> like, <laughs> and their whole motto is, We are the strong and everyone is the weak. And I'm sitting here like, Dude, you can't even, you literally aren't weaker. You're literally not stronger than an average human anymore. They took that away from you in the first episode. <laughs> it's just, uh, um, <laughs> I, I like that when they went up to Mount Olympus, we caught Apollo in a devil's threesome. <laughs> yeah, it, we, that was one thing I noticed because they they panned on it because Zeus comes up there and he has Heron with him and they start. Uh, no, no, no. It's not when Zeus brings Heron It's when Zeus is throwing lightning bolts to separate Seraphim from Heron. So he's throwing lightning bolts, and the whole time, I'm like, dude, do you really think no one's going to notice this? Like, one lightning bolt, maybe, but you're just unloading lightning bolts into one area, and you don't think anyone under the current circumstances is going to think that's weird? And he starts waking the other gods up, and they start noticing, because there's no way they couldn't, and they show Apollo waking up, and there's a woman on his left, and there's a dude on his right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they show all three yeah. of them waking up and looking up and going, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> I thought that was for actually pretty hilarious. Oh, also, let's bring up the fact that Zeus is throwing lightning bolts at a boat in the water. <laughs> <laughs> the literal worst thing he could possibly do throwing lightning bolts oh, into the water the reason water is such a good conductor for electricity is because there's minerals and metal in the water everyone who was in the water Heron, Seraphim, all the other slay, all the other guys should be dead and electrocuted he didn't throw just one lightning bolt he threw like 15 Everyone should be dead. And if you go, oh, it's magical lightning. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't let the water conduct it. And I'm like, well, okay. You do know a lightning bolt is pure energy and radiates thousands of degrees of heat, right? So if they weren't electrocuted to death, they would have all been boiled alive. Nah, that's that's special magical lightning. It doesn't. It doesn't. Oh, it's so magical. It does nothing. Then why is everyone so afraid of it? It's magical lightning that does nothing. (laughs) I'm like Zeus is literally doing the worst possible thing in the current situation he could do and that is literally his entire MO every episode he does the worst possible thing he could do in every fucking situation 
like just just i'm like this is the this is the first time i've seen a medium that from episode one is just a string of zeus's fuck-ups and how they compound on top of each other to make things worse and worse and worse. <laughs> oh, and, and while we're thinking about it, and while we're talking about him throwing lightning bolts down into there, wouldn't it have been easier and more under the radar to have just had Hermes with his invisibility cloak run down, grab Heron, and take him away with somewhere with none the wiser, considering Hermes can run at such a speed that no one can see him. And he can run across and the water. And he can run across the water. <laughs> In his fight with Ares, he was moving so fast that Ares couldn't always keep track of him. So he's literally faster than the human eye can see. He would have been fast. And who cares if Seraphim sees him? Pfft, eh? But... That doesn't even matter because he can turn invisible. It's how he found out that Hera was conspiring with Seraphim. He was invisible and going down to the mortal world to collect the soul of the guy that Seraphim killed. And that's how he came across listening to Hera talk to Seraphim. And he was invisible at the time. Wouldn't it have just been easier to do that? Well, how would he have contacted Hermes? Hermes is said to be able to hear what a god wants done over the wind. He literally, <laughs> literally, in actuality, could have just had Hermes run down there and grab him. And Hermes is supposed to be so fast he can he can run like in his mythology, he's so fast he can run around the world in like a second. But can he run around the world and punch himself in right. the back of the <laughs> uh, You know somebody who can. Chuck Norris. Yeah, and I like how there's the part where Zeus is like, Heron, you're the key to this war, Heron. You have to win it. And I'm like, mm. wait, do you mean do you mean the war with the gods? <laughs> because any human could just raise an army and just kill the cult of demons. They have proven that they literally could just be killed by normal people. Mm. With normal swords and fire. That's all you need. That's not a threat. That's just an invading army. <laughs> just, I mean, it's not, a, it's not a threat that is above normal people just being able to deal with it. Like, <laughs> like, uh, I, oh, one of my notes is I'm watching it, and one of my notes was watching this show makes me feel like I'm sitting in an alley on an old torn up couch watching a dumpster fire with a bunch of hobos passing around a liquor bottle. <laughs> Every hobo begged extra hard that day. We all, I'm a hobo too. I'm a hobo with the rest, and we all begged extra hard. Everybody got money. We all went out and got a bottle of liquor, and we were all just sitting on the couch watching a dumpster fire, just passing it around. We're trying to get as smashed as we can. That's what watching the show feels like. <laughs> like, um and can you bleep out words in 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 the podcast 
Uh, I probably could. But because why? I was, so I'm watching this, and Zeus is gumming up the Hera, and he's he he's he's accepting the blame for the shit that he did wrong and some shit he didn't do wrong, but he 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 he's he's deciding it seems to man up and go, hey, I fucked up. I fucked up real bad. And then Hera is all like, do you think you can just make it all better? And he's like, I, look, I know I fucked up, and I'll make it up to you. And he goes, I'll never stray from you again. <clears throat> now, when Heron <laughs> is first brought up to Olympus, the other gods are talking amongst themselves, and one of them goes, this is the seventh time. And I'm like, what? You've done this seven times? This is the seventh out of wedlock kid you've had? And then you're going to sit here and tell this woman you are never going to do, you will never stray from her again? It's like, I know, Hera, baby, 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 please. I know I did it seven times, but this time I swear I'll never do it again. (laughs) I was like, Zeus is a died in the wood in and because I don't know if you can bl- if you can bleep it out and I don't he's not an in with the a he ain't a nigga like right and for those of you listening I'm black so I'm allowed to say it right um but he ain't a he, he ain't a nigga like there are times when I'll be watching a certain comedian or I'll be hanging out with some of my boys and the lingo will come out, you know, nigga this, nigga that, nigga this. It's all it's the A. The the the, the cool lingo is with the A. But I'm talking about the in the insulting with the a hard, hard R. This is the dude, <laughs> I have never read a character. I've never listened to a character. I have never seen a character or a person where I went, oh, this dude is an in. This dude is a straight Zeus <laughs> is an in in the in like the insulting he is an in with a hard R. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I, I'm like, oh my I'm watching an actual in by the definition of the word. Oh shit. <laughs> And it ain't. It's like now I understand how Charlie Sheen felt when he called his ex that. I now I like when someone's behavior is so out of line. Like, (laughs) I was. Yeah, oh, oh, dude, I, I was I was <laughs> laughing so hard when I came to the realization. I was like, oh shit. He a nigga with the hard R. Zeus is rocking the hard R on his chest like it's a symbol. <laughs> Just I was like, oh. Like I had like I had to pause the show. And I, I just paused the show and sat back and was like, wow, these writers are so inept. They actually wrote a character. They wrote a <laughs> they wrote an N-word character with the hard R. 
they didn't even know what they were doing because it's <laughs> Zeus, and he is the most air. He is the first arrogant motherfucker, blue-eyed. He wasn't blonde-haired, but blue-eyed, tall, white. He's the most Aryan, European-looking motherfucker. But he's a straight-up in. Wow. <laughs> that That's amazing. <laughs> and I just got another secret idea. <laughs> Like I, I won't say the full word on the podcast. I want to, and I don't know if you can bleep it out. I want to. On the t-shirt, it's gonna have the full word with the hard R. Fuck it. <laughs> like just like a just like a capital R right? lightning bolts. Oh, okay. I'm just like <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> like I oh and it made me think of something else because there was a there was an old there was a charmed episode from the original charmed series that I that I used to watch when I was growing up and there was an episode mm. where there was a a kid with psychokinesis and he got kidnapped by some by some crooks who were using him to break in the bank vaults and steal money and shit and his dad was able to track them down and without taking a weapon or anything he confronted them and he was like look I didn't call the police or anything I didn't want to get them involved I don't care what you guys are doing all I want is my son back I didn't bring a gun I didn't bring a weapon I just want my son back please just give me my son I'll forget who you are I don't care where you go I just want my son back it's all he wanted. And they shot and killed him. That is the angriest I have ever been in my life. That a human being could do that to another human being. That a father could come to anybody and be like, dude, I just want my son back. I don't want to see you guys go to jail. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've been doing. I just want my son back. And then this dude shot and killed him in cold blood like that. That is the angriest I can ever remember being in my entire fucking life. And even then, I didn't look at that crook and go, this is a this dude is an in. I'm watching this show <laughs> and I get to this point in the show and I'm like, holy shit, Zeus is an N. He's an N with a hard R. How do you even do that? <laughs> like, maybe I'm wrong and these writers are brilliant. Maybe they're brilliant. Because how do you do that? <laughs> I have read some of the most heinous <laughs> villains in literature. I have seen some of the stupidest main characters in anime, in manga, and Zeus is the one that I'm watching and listening to and going, oh, this dude isn't in. <laughs> I was taken aback. <laughs> Putting it lightly. Uh, oh, and then the the note that I had for when Zeus was yelling at Heron 
not telling him what the problem was, not giving him any instruction, just yelling at him that he was doing it wrong. And I'm sitting like, dude, he acts just like you. And I was like, dude, only a parent can <laughs> yell at their child for doing shit the child learned from the parent. Only a fucking parent can do that. <laughs> and yeah, like if you're a parent, rethink some things. Because only a parent can yell at their child for some shit they got from you. And I've watched parents do it too. <laughs> I've known par- I've known some parents long enough that I've watched them yell at their kids for their kids doing the shit they learned from them. Like I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you're sitting here yelling at your kid for doing the thing that they learned from you. They don't even understand why you're yelling at them. They just doing what you do. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, and then I go and and then I wrote down the notes for the fact that they're sitting here like, oh, he's just not doing well. Maybe he just doesn't have any talent. And I'm like, have none of you are showing him how to fight? This is a this is a minor kid from some backwater village. He's never he like he's he hasn't gone to war. He hasn't been trained to be a soldier. He doesn't know what he's doing, and you're not showing him. You all have been in a war before. You all should know how to fight. Why can't you understand that you need to show him? You, you, and these are, and the gods are constantly looking down on the mortal world because they know what's going on in it. They, they walk amongst mortals, and you're telling me they don't know that mortals actually train soldiers. I'm just sitting here like this is just dumb. This is just, this is stupid. (laughs) It's like it's literally like putting a child in a pit with a lion and going, "Hey, tame it." Well, what the fuck am I supposed to do? I don't know. Figure it out. <laughs> like, uh, so, so fucking stupid. Here. Here, take this whipping chair. Well, what am I supposed yeah, to do? Yeah, it's like, I don't know. Figure it out. <laughs> whenever I pick it, whenever I pick up anything, I'm just immediately 100% genius at it. So I just assumed you'd be too. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, and then uh, another note was, how are they supposed to destroy the giants? The thing that even the gods couldn't do. So there's a part in the show where Alexi, where Chiron gives Alexia the map back, and he explains what's in the labyrinth. And they're like, "Well, we'll just go there and destroy the giants before they can get to it." And I'm like, "One, that's a really stupid idea. Why don't you just burn the map?" <laughs> Two. How the fuck are you going to destroy the body of a giant? The thing that the gods could not do. And if the gods have the ability to destroy the bodies of the giants, why are the bodies of the giants still around? Somebody is fucking up royally. Who is it? (laughs) Which are the gods fucking up royally? Because they seem to have a penchant and a habit of it. Or are you fucking up royally for believing that you can do something that the gods could not do? Mm. Fucking yeah, uh, the answer is <laughs> fucking, yes. Fucking show. 
Uh, and then I then I point out that Zeus's talk with uh, <laughs> Zeus's talk with Heron about uh, Cronus was a really good moment. Um, also, the other good moment I liked in the show was when they introduced the Fates, and when the Fates start explaining mm. how fate mm. works, and Heron is saying like, "I believe in free will and making your own choice," and then they do the little uh. Uh, like 3D model of the baby on the table and it's like well the baby has free will it's mm-hmm. just that we have foresight and we can see when the baby is going to fall <clears throat> off the going to fall off the table and I was like actually that's a really good analogy that is a very good analogy like you do have free will what you lack is foresight so someone who has the foresight can be like dude this is going to happen but because you don't have that foresight, you're still making your own choice, even if that choice ends in what the other person said was going to happen. It's just that that person had the foresight that you lacked. And that's kind of how fate works. It is just a foresight that you in the current moment lack. So I thought that was actually a really good moment in the show and was a really good analogy, probably written by the same person. Um. <laughs> <laughs> who got off the coke then is like, oh, I should right. probably put some smart shit. Um, so, uh, let's see, what was my? Oh, and then the and then the fates and and then the fates made that old cliche uh, joke about come closer, we won't bite unless you want us to. And I was like. <laughs> The old girl yeah, was like, and I was like, you, and, and I just thought to myself, you know what? That's actually pretty fitting because that's probably the origin of that joke. <laughs> it's probably that old, and they really need to stop using it. Yeah, and then the, the and then the fates are like the world hmm. rests in your hands, Heron. And I'm like, you know what? They're absolutely right because the gods aren't going to do shit. They're going to sit on their asses and watch the world go to hell because they're more interested in the marital debate between Zeus and Hera to fix the thing that threatens all of them. Also, the fact that Hera has every intention of sending Seraphim into the labyrinth to release the giants. And I'm like, um, Hera, what is your end game here? You do remember that the giants were created for the sole purpose of murdering you and all of the rest of the gods, right? And you also remember that the only reason you won that war was because you got two of them to defect and help you against the other ones. Those two giants, as far as we're concerned, we have no clue where they are. Most likely, you dumb fucks betrayed them and tore their souls out too, and now they're also pissed off. What is your endgame here other than getting yourself and everyone else killed? She's a jealous woman, Gerald. You know, I know jealous there's woman. the saying, hell hath no fury like a woman scorn, but that's stupid. 
<laughs> like, first off, Zeus needs to stop being a bitch and stand up to his wife. That would have solved a lot of problems and kept a lot of this from mm. getting where it getting where it came. But I, I already bitched and moaned about that about him being being exactly the embarrassment that she accused him of being. Like he outright is. Um. But yeah, it's it, to be fair, I had a lot, a lot of fun. I had a lot, a lot of fun with this, uh, with these two episodes. They, they were just hilarious, and the fact that the fates are like the fate of the world are in Heron's hands because the gods are too inept to actually do anything right. I was like, that is hilarious. It is literally like the police have gone on strike, and the and the security of the city has been left in the hands of the neighborhood watch. <laughs> I think there was there a, a movie, movie about, about that. that. Um, but I just, I was like, that is, uh, I was like, uh, this, the amount of just ridiculousness, like Hera trying now trying to kill Zeus, which to be like, to be fair. I'm not I can't even blame her for trying to kill him, but I'm like, why don't you just divorce him? For that matter, Zeus, why don't you just divorce her? Like the two of you don't seem to like each other anymore. Why don't you just get a divorce, cool off for a while? And why don't both of you pull your heads out of your asses and realize that there are more important things going on than your marital dispute? No one, and I mean no one, mm. gives a fuck. No one cares that Zeus has been cheating on you, and no one cares that you have been hurt by it. But the fact that you were willing to burn the entire world down to get back at Zeus is fucking stupid. And mm -hmm. Zeus, the fact that you mm -hmm. literally... <laughs> have not learned after having seven children out of wedlock and Hera freaking the fuck out and you just dude I swear Zeus has the memory span of a goddamn goldfish <laughs> it, seven times seven times and it's not even a secret everyone knows it's like it's like I'll never right. It's like yeah, I'll never cheat on you. Oh, she, oh, she's she's hot. It's like oh, I go. I'm just gonna go uh, say hi to the. I'm just gonna say hi to the neighbor. It's and like and that's all this show is. The entire plot of this show is Zeus and Hera having marital issues and it's spilling out and causing everyone else's everyone else a problem. If any of the other gods had any sort of sense, they would have gotten together with the other gods, confronted Hera and Zeus and been like, look, we don't give a fuck who you are, but the two of you need to solve your issues between the two of you. You fucking everything else up is not fucking acceptable. Period. <laughs> Fuck 
<laughs> uh, what what's that thing? <clears throat> there's a there's a thing. It's like like when you have two children and they're quarreling and squabbling, and then you take the big shirt and you just like flip, just put it on both of them, and they're stuck in the in like. Hera and Zeus need a makeup sweater. <laughs> I was going to say, just put them both in a room and don't let them leave yeah. until they either kill each other or fix it. Like, and fixing it can be a divorce. I don't care how right. they fix it. <laughs> fix it. I'd have had Hephaestus create a room, and we'd have thrown both <laughs> those bitches in there and been like, you don't get out of here until you fix it. I don't care <laughs> what that amounts to. Both of y'all can walk out of here. One of y'all can walk out of here. You can get a divorce. You can kiss and make up. I don't give a fuck. But no one's leaving until you fix it. Figure it out. And not to slam the fucking door. (laughs) 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 Fuck this. It is inane. All the guys are more than willing to get together and, and form a united front when it doesn't matter. But when they, when all the guys need to go, no, both Hera and Zeus are the problem, and their marital issues are going to end up causing a catastrophe of which could cause, of which could have dire consequences for everyone, including us. They won't get together and form a united front for that. <laughs> but, oh, he's bringing up another bastard mm. child? How dare uh, that? That they'll jump up in arms for. Oh, dude, it is like watching. It is like watching. Uh, remember when we were watching that one show with the guy, with the comedian guy, and he went up in the hills. Yeah, and he decided he was going to go up into the hills to get away from everything so he could try to relax. And then he had one dude bringing him cigars and wrapping them, like some of the finest cigars in the world. And he had another butcher come all the way out to the retreat and, like, uh, cut up an emu for them. And when I watched it, I was like, this is some rich people shit. Uh This this is some rich people Uh shit. This whole thing between <laughs> Zeus and Hera is some rich people shit. Middle class and lower people ain't got time for this bullshit. This is some rich people shit. <laughs> I could also, I could also make an, an alliteration to the government too. Like, oh, you know, you guys won't band together for you know an important thing like you know getting us stimulus money but oh uh you know what's what's his face mcsquirly mcnuts fucking right parted his hair wrong yeah, more than happy ass. to get together to give yourselves a raise but when some serious shit going on nobody can agree on anything like go fuck yourselves <laughs> like oh we we we've got it we've got an emergency meeting yeah, to talk like, about the thing to talk about the thing uh, like we'll, we'll be, we'll be I'm not condoning the raid <laughs> on the Capitol building. That shit should not have happened. Everyone involved in it should have been arrested and taken to jail and taken to jail. Period. But to be fair, if I had my way, I would literally put every official in government in the Capitol building and then rocket that bitch into the sun. Start from scratch. <laughs> no makeup sweater and that this. includes <laughs> no. Donald Trump that includes Trump 
the Trump family are new to be president once he's inaugurated, I think is the correct word. That includes all of them. Every single one. Right into the fucking sun. <laughs> and just for the NSA listening, we do not actually condone this Oh, no, I condone it. This is merely like, a metaphorical... No, 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 no. no, no. I no, absolutely we, condone it. I didn't say anything about firearms. I didn't say anything about a knife. I didn't say anything about explosives. I said into the sun. <laughs> Well, still in any case, just just you know, legal CYA. We here at we we here at gaming do not condone nor cooperate with any sending of people into the sun. That's it. That's the end of my. (laughs) That's the end of it, dude. I I had so much. I had so much fun with these two episodes. I I laughed. I laughed a lot. I didn't laugh in any of the other episodes. And and like and I said, this is going to be something that I love to hate. I didn't laugh in any of the other episodes, but I would watch them with the biggest grin on my face. And then we got to these two episodes, and I just laughed and <laughs> laughed and laughed. <laughs> Dude, Zeus and Hera, there was another analogy that popped into my head. Zeus and Hera remind me of Tyrion from uh, Total War Warhammer. So in, <laughs> in, for those who don't know, in Total War Warhammer, uh, it is a uh, – a uh, thing it's a faction based system, so you have your faction and then you have other factions. And within your race of people, like the high elves or the forest elves or the human empires or the lizard men, you can confederate other factions, basically absorbing them into your faction, and then you get that lord. Well, Tyrion, I would play one of the other high elves, and Tyrion, no matter how good my relationship was with them, no matter how much we traded, the peace talks, military access, no matter what, he would not confederate. He would confederate all the other high... There, there. I've done campaigns with Emric, and Emric is really far away from the home of the High Elves, which is Uthwain. And he's... As Emric, you're way on the other side of the map. Well, you're basically trying to get to Uthwain as quickly as you can, because if you don't, the Dark Elves just stomp Tyrion and all the other High Elves' faces in, and they take over all of Uthwain. So I would be like, Tyrion and them would be just getting crushed, just getting their faces stomped. I'd have, I'd be on good terms with Tyrion, I'd be trading with him, military access, all these things give you better, uh, a better relationship, and you have to have a good relationship to confederate. So they, I'd have a good relationship with him, good relationship. He would rather let the high elf, he would not only rather let all of Uthwain burn to the ground, but he would rather let the race of High Elves mm. end than confederate. He would rather allow the world to burn to the ground before he gave up his position as leader. 
And that's what Hera and Zeus feel like in this show. They're fucking Tyrion. They would <laughs> rather let it all burn to the ground. Fuck it. I mean, even Hera, with the fact that she wants to kill mm. Zeus, she would rather she would let rather she would rather let the world burn down in her attempt to kill him than just go, you know what? I just need to get a divorce. I just need to go my own way and say, mm. fuck it. Murder and the destruction of the world is literally a better option in her eyes than just going, you know what? That's the end of this relationship. <laughs> and I'm like the kind of pride, hubris, and abject vanity in that mentality is disgusting. It is fucking horrid. <clears throat> Hera. Wait, wait, who are we talking about again? Yeah, I know. What now? She's an asshole. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, she's like no. she's a goddess. Well, well that too, but she's yeah, also she a... is a goddess. I'm just I'm like <laughs> it's so hilarious. It is it is oh jeez. Watching this show more and more I come to I come to kind of uh, like the gods uh, throughout human history have always been these beings that we create to explain the world around us because we could because there were things we could never explain at the time, right? <clears throat> and so we were like, yeah, they're gods in the sky and they control mm -hmm. this and they control that, and then we would give personalities to these things. And I'm like, why is it that the majority of the gods that we create embody the most negative of human ass uh, of human traits why do they embody the most negative parts of us <laughs> mm, that's a definitely a good and it's not every god question. but it is the majority of them it, it, <sighs> right <laughs> like the last thing if I'm going to create a god the last thing I want is to create a god who who is the guy who would lock me in my locker in high school or give me wedgies at the back like and that's what it feels like it feels like we are the gods are the jocks and the the head cheerleaders in high schools that's what they it feels like that's what they are <laughs> And I'm like, I would never want mm -hmm. the dude, yeah. I would never want the, the high school jock or the high school head cheerleader to ever have godhood. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Yeah. you're not wrong. <laughs> but that, that's all I got. I was just like, yeah, but these, these last two episodes were pretty funny. They, they, they were fucking funny. <laughs> Like the whole situation, the whole situation is just so ridiculous. It, I can't help but laugh at it. Mm -hmm. 
True enough. True enough. Uh, oh, um, so for you going into episode seven and eight, I want you to remember the wink that Zeus gave Hera from the first or second episode. Uh, okay. Oh, you mean when he was uh, when they were recounting the battle with the giants, and he gave her that wink when they defeated the last giant? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll try to remember. I want you to remember that going eight. All right, so uh, that was that's an hour and fifteen minutes of us laughing about it's <laughs> blood of it, Zeus. It's so hilarious. So let's go on. Let us go on to episode three of Hannibal. So I found it interesting when Graham was, I think he was talking, I think he was talking to Lecter that he said he only really felt safe at like he would go out into his field at night, turn back and look at his house. And he said it reminded him of a ship on the sea. And like, that's how Mm -hmm. that's really the only time he ever feels safe. And then in this episode, I'm feeling like um, Lecter is kind of using Hobbs to get to Graham. Or the way I wrote it down, Hobbs got to Graham through Lecter. Like, and like the way, oh, the way he was looking at Graham when Graham was talking, I was like, oh my, (laughs) he looks like a coiled cobra just ready to sink his fangs into his neck. And then we get introduced to our murder case, a family dead at the dinner table. And then, of course, I also had to put in because I saw the, uh, the, the credit pop up that the. All right. I, I think that was anchor trying to tell us to stop having too much fun. Yeah. apparently. <laughs> so, so you can't tell uh, us what to do. We'll have all the fun we want. <laughs> so the FBI is at the crime scene. It's a family, all like shot in the head at the dinner table, all face down in the in the food. And let's see. We'll make sure I don't. Quick interruption. Mm-hmm. I started watching this episode, and I'm already in the middle of eating something while I'm watching it, and then immediately I get scenes of maggots in food. And you know what? <laughs> even stop me from eating. I was hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh, uh, guess who's hungry? Hmm. And uh, so Graham is using his ability to rewind everything back. And we find out that the mother's the one who died last. And I'm I'm not wondering if since he killed Hobbs that using this ability is just pushing him closer to the quote unquote dark side. Yeah. There's a lot of revelations in these. uh... There's a lot of revelations that happens in this episode. Hmm. So then we cut to Lecter showing up at Graham's house. Now at first I was like, is he supposed to be there? What is he doing? 
you know, he, and he, he gets out of his car. He's got a, like a, a bag from a butcher shop or whatever. And you see all the dogs get up. He just lets himself in, starts breaking the sausage up into pieces and throwing it to the dogs. And I was like, oh, bad guard dogs are bad. And Lecter, like Lecter opens one of the uh, dresser drawers and all, and like a drill sergeant would be happy with the way that shit was, you know, shirts all nicely folded, socks with the smiles all rolled up all nice and neat. Yeah, I was like, oh, damn, he's OCD. Which, of course, obviously. And then Mm -hmm. we find... Now, I don't remember any reference to fly fishing as one of his hobbies before. But Lecter... I don't think so. I think this is the first we heard of it. It may not even be a hobby of his. It just may be something that uh, he thought that she might enjoy... Well, like, well, yeah, because he, that that's later in the episode, but like there's a, an, an almost finished, um, what the hell, a fly fishing lure. And it's got a, got the, it's like got the helping, helping hands and the magnifying glass and Lecter just pushes it aside, takes out this red colored feather and then just wraps it up, finish, you know, ties it off, finishes it then takes the lure and puts the hook into his thumb, lets the blood well up and then sucks on it. I, I don't, I don't know what's going on with that, but okay. You're still there. Yep. I am still here. Okay. So that happens. And then we find out Abigail's at a mental hospital. Um, of, of the writing, I called her Lady Doc, but it was her name is Doctor Bloom. Mm-hmm. She's talking to her, and uh, Abigail's, I guess, talking about how, like, you know, she's she's got the the big scar on her neck, but as long as she wears a scarf, she'll be fine. And um, so, Doctor Bloom is trying to encourage her to, you know, speak in the group therapy sessions, but she's she's Abigail's not into it. And then in the next scene, we have Jack, Graham, and then the three CSIs talking about family. Like, you know, I was the eldest, I was the eldest child. So, you know, that leadership for you, you know, I was the, you know, my, my youngest sister always got away with everything. And then one of the CSIs looks up at Graham and he was like, I bet you you're an only child. And Graham was like, why would you say that? And then uh, there's talk about how being the middle child is kind of a, I guess a sweet spot or something. Well, the banter is like one was the eldest, one was the youngest. And they talked about uh, the, uh, the one, uh, what is the coroner, the one uh, female coroner, I forget her name. Uh, she talked about how she was the eldest child, and I forget who said the actual like uh, what each position like meant. But as like the eldest child, she was given like all the parents' hopes were pinned on the eldest child, and so they had to learn to grow up quickly, be more responsible, so on and so forth. Whereas the mm-hmm. youngest child was the one with less of those uh, respond with uh, less of that kind of. Uh, 
hopes and everything pinned on. So they got to just do mm-hmm. whatever they wanted, kind of. And then mm-hmm. uh, the middle child was usually the most balanced because they had the kind of the best of both worlds. Uh, because while they had some of the parents' hopes in them, they also had, uh, like with the eldest child, they also, they didn't have too much, so there wasn't the stress of it, but they also had the freedom of the youngest child, but not so much that they weren't, um, they didn't have any structure. They weren't just the wild child. Um, and then, uh, one of the dudes was like, I always thought that the middle child was the one like that was like most neglected or was the worst position. And then he turned to Will and was like, I bet you were a only child. And he was like, why? And they were like, because by having, um, by having like, because family is how you kind of define your personality by having that, uh, by having that dichotomy with other siblings within your family, it sort of uh, builds your, it fleshes out your own personality. Which was basically him saying Will doesn't have much of a personality, which I thought was kind of rude and dickish under the circumstances, but that seems to be that character's position in everything. And and all this is is set up to how quickly how quickly we forget he exposed an entire uh, investigation for a blowjob. So I don't think he should be casting stones in a glass house. Wait, the that what what? Remember the remember oh. the reporter? They didn't understand how she had gotten wind of the investigation with the Hobbs girl. It turns out he mm. was the one who did it because he was the one who mm. cut the the bands that they put on her arms to hold her. Remember he was the one who cut them and he told her you used me. It was him. He's the one who tipped her off on and told her about everything. That's how she found out about Will and was able to write that article, which is why John went to see her. Yeah, that was him. So I was like, I don't know, dude. Maybe you shouldn't be throwing stones in a glass house. Stop being a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Uh, And I don't know. You know, I'm... I used to watch, well, you know, back when we had cable, I used to watch police procedurals. Like my favorite was law and order SVU castle was a good piece, police procedural. Hell, even Lucifer's a good police procedural. Um, but the, the thing I find different with Hannibal is they kind of weave the, the, uh, psychological dynamic of, of what's happening into the story. So like them talking about the different levels of siblingship will actually come into play later mm. and in the, at the end of the episode. So mm. I, 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 I like that dynamic that they have in Hannibal for that. Mm. And then it goes straight from that scene to Graham, I guess, having a session with, with Hannibal and Hannibal leads right off from the Freud playbook Tell me about your mother. <laughs> and so we find out that he has family issues. You know, his dad is similar to being the child of someone in the military. You know, you're always moving, no real stable uh, friendships or any kind of stuff can be built, except his dad was uh, worked on a boatyard. So they went from what I say from Virginia to uh, Michigan or something. Mm-hmm. 
and he was always moving. And um, I want to say that's where they mentioned like having an anchor or I think that was Lecter said that later in the next, in the next scene when uh, yeah, it was when Hannibal and Jack were eating. So we're back to uh, they, so they find another crime scene where all the family shot dead, but there's a kid that was burnt to death in the fireplace. And this is where, you know, they're, they're speculating it might have something to do with motherhood. And then that's when Graham's like, no, was it Graham that said it was a perversion of motherhood or was that Lecter? I think I want to say it was Graham. Yeah, it's probably Graham. Yeah. So, so they're, they have that. And so I'm, I'm wondering why are Jack and Hannibal eating dinner together so much? I mean, aside from the fact that, you know, Hannibal's feeding people and, it was not, it was interesting how, um, you know, it's like this beautifully plated and presented food and, and Hannibal's telling him what all this stuff is. And then Jack, you know, you know, spears the meat with his fork, puts it up and he's like, what am I about to put in my mouth? (laughs) And, and Hannibal's like rabbit. And then it flashes to a scene of a kid trying to run and then falling. And then Hannibal taking the meat off, of something i didn't i don't think a human has that much meat on one part of their body i don't think but i don't know so i'm I'm finding that very interesting that (laughs) that hannibal is just basically feeding everybody people and jack coming back to have dinner with of course you know and of course he doesn't know this yet but yeah, I find that interesting. And they have their, their talk about how to deal with Graham. And that's when uh, Hannibal says Graham needs an anchor. Mm-hmm. Because he, he got that further insight into Graham about, you know, his dad working, at, working on a shipyard. Then I guess that also ties back to the beginning of the episode where Graham says he only really feels safe when he's looking at his house and it feels like it's a ship at sea. Yeah. I just now realize. So (laughs) Graham is teaching a class on, I guess, rape and talking about how, you know, the attacker biting the victim is some kind of thing. And Jack just storms in. He's like class dismissed. Yeah. And then get the fuck, you know, get the fuck out of here. And uh, quick interruption. That made me wonder, does Graham work in an academy then? That it could be, because like when uh in the last episode or the one before when the the journalist is there and she's and she's like, Oh, he's not a special agent. Yeah, I think that I think that is the case, which is Interesting. I mean, I'm sure he would have to be an FBI agent to even do, uh, you know, things like that. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah. Well, apparently he used to work for them. He just got out because they thought he was getting too close. So. Mm, Something. And, uh. So they have, this is the third, the third 
killing, I think. And then he, uh, so they, they find the pattern. Uh, I'm trying to remember if this is like, they're looking at the evidence board and you've got the one killing in Maine, then the killing in Connecticut and then the killing in Virginia. And then they see the pattern and then that's when they start. uh, And okay. So to rewind back a little bit, what's seeming to happen is a kid goes missing. Then somehow his family ends up being, being murdered. So we're doing all this then. And I thought this was interesting and kind of very well cast because Molly Shannon does a really good job of playing a crazy person. Yeah. I, she was the, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I saw her and I was like, Hey, I recognize you. Yeah. The, the girl from superstar and Saturday night live and all that stuff. Yeah. And she, whew, she did a good job playing a wackadoodle. Maybe too good a job. Mm. i really like her as an actress though i also emergency need at this point like because they introduce her and then after that they start talking about how it's another boy and i'm like even now they are more willing to believe it is a young male boy who is committing these murders than they are that it might be an older woman because they ruled out an adult male so they were like, okay, maybe a younger male who's in his teens. And I was like, and, I, and the whole time before they even introduced her, I was like, you know, it could just be a chick, right? They, like, they, didn't even, hmm. they, they didn't even put it up as a possibility that it was a woman. And I was like, and they were already talking about how, you know, it's a family thing. They're, they're, they're making a family. And this is like, a, they were already talking about that. And I was like, that actually sounds and I was sitting here like and I was like "Mm, that sounds like that could be a woman and they were just like probably a young teen dude and then they go to the scene of the of Molly and the other uh, boy sitting at the table and oh I and then they go back to them and they're like probably a teen boy in his late teens or middle teens and I was like we're just not even going to entertain the idea that it might be a chick doing all these murders huh oh okay (laughs) and then at this point and then a little bit more into the story they start bringing up references like they call them the lost boys Mm -hmm. which of course peter pan and and the lost boys so and then there's also the dynamic between the uh wait so actually sorry for the interruption again but that's really funny because when they refer to them as peter pan and the lost boys Remember what happens with Peter Pan and the Lost Boys? Wendy becomes their leader. She becomes the center of their fucking world because the Lost Boys never had mothers and they saw Wendy Mm -hmm. as their surrogate mother. Mm. So it's funny that they were talking about the Lost Boys and how a Peter Pan was the one taking them, but none of them mentioned Wendy until later. Mm right and then and then also the uh that sibling dynamic that they referred to you know when the csis were talking you see that kind of play out when they're at the at the table you know eating the ice cream shakes or whatever the the eldest one that was kidnapped 
he's the one in charge. And then I, I'm assuming Chris is the is supposed to be the youngest. Uh, the new one, I think so. Well, no, yeah. no, no, because no, the one with the glasses actually seemed younger than the other two, didn't he? Um, I can't remember. Yeah, there, there was one but, with uh, glasses. Yeah. There was the older teen boy, and then there was the one they just uh, they just found. They just realized that he'd gone missing from a home on their path because they were they had found a path of uh, of of family murders like five hundred miles apart. And so they checked a certain area yeah. for any missing kids, and that was one of the that was the boy that was just introduced to the the psycho family, pretty much. To the lost boy. Yeah, so he's the he's the yeah he's the youngest sibling then in in that dynamic. Essentially, then. So like and and you and you see it because like the the eldest sibling is always telling telling Chris you know you know you know you know shut up pay you know pay attention do this do that you know all this stuff and then there's another <laughs> I want to say it was probably a couple scenes later when they're at a gas station and then the, the eldest sibling quote in quotation marks is by like a, a pallet of, of Pepsi product placement. Mm. And, uh, you know, he's just staring Chris down to the point where Chris pisses himself. Yeah. I don't think there's enough talk about how some kids are just sociopaths from birth. Like, but <laughs> and the reason I bring that up is because this is not the first time I've actually seen this portrayed in a TV series. Um, one that I, I I prominently remember is in um, Supernatural. There's an episode in Supernatural where there is a kid. There, there's a little like eight year old boy, and he keeps trying to burn his sister alive. And so when Dean and uh, Sam, Sam get there, they assume he is being possessed by a demon or some sort of supernatural creature, and they find out, oh no, he's just a sociopathic monster because he doesn't have it. And it's explained <laughs> that he doesn't have a soul, apparently. Um, and actually, no, 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 no. I think he was possessed by a demon, but the demon was trying to get out because the demon was actually trapped <laughs> inside of him be and the, and when they they exercised the demon and the demon was like yeah you're gonna kill me but that's fine just don't put me back in that kid and they're like wait what and he's like dude that kid <laughs> i went inside him there's nothing in there just avoid like kill me that kid is scarier than anything i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i was like and if you watch like certain movies and read certain books and and certain shows you get glimpses of it being talked about how no there are some kids that are fucking insane they just are and we don't talk about it though like nobody talks about that and no one wants to believe it's their kid so hmm not my kid. No, my, my kid's, kid's an, an angel. angel. My kid would never. How dare you insinuate mm. that my child could possibly be a human being? Oh, well, it's funny you say that because we're actually insinuating that your kid isn't a human being. 
Yeah. Um, off the point, off the subject, but there was a, there's an episode of SVU where the the kid it was it was like a eight ten year old boy and he like watching it you can just see that he's gonna grow up to be like the next Dahmer or, or um, Manson or whatever and the uh, and the celebrity criminal of the uh, of the episode was uh, Kyle McLaughlin who played Paul Atreides in in the 1984 mm-hmm. Dune and he was a he was a psychiatrist so um like he like just up in up in the middle of i think it was a a hearing he just stands up pulls out a gun and shoots the kid point blank but then because he's a psychiatrist he got he uh, long story short he got himself um acquitted for you know um temporary mm-hmm. insanity and as a uh and as another tie-in to uh, part one, um, once he's acquitted, they're they're stepping out onto the courthouse steps, and uh, and Olivia looks at him, and she's like, "I have to know, you know, if you would, even if you admit you if you admit it, you know, double jeopardy's attached, and you can't be, you know, try it again." He was like, "Oh yeah, I killed the <laughs> motherfucking kid." I'm meant to. And like, and and. I can't fault him because like you see, you see this kid in like in the courtroom scene, he's just smiling a fucking shit eating grin. Like, Oh, I promise judge. I'll never do it again. Then turns and smiles at comic Lachlan's character. And that's when he's like, yeah. remember the conversation that we had a a good couple of, uh, podcasts ago when we were talking about, um, what con- like the laws governing when a child is a child under the law and when a child is not and how it needs to be revamped you can't just be like oh they're a kid in certain circumstances but in other circumstances you try them as an adult they either have to be children or they have to not be children because it is the ambiguousness of when a child is considered a child and when a child is not considered a child, which allows a lot of, uh, which allows a lot of criminality to happen without repercussion, and allows a lot of innocent things to be construed as criminality. Right. So you bring this up, and it's yeah. like, how old was this kid in the in the movie? Yeah. In the episode, I, I want to say he was, uh, eight he or was 10. like 8 or so 10. At 8 or 10, a cold-blooded killer. His psychiatrist can see it, and you you, you can guarantee it's not just his psychiatrist that sees it. You can guarantee that there are other people who know this kid who absolutely understand exactly what he is. But you can't do anything. He's considered a child. There's nothing that can be done. He doesn't understand what he's doing. It's like, no... Kids are smarter than you think. They do understand. Now, I will also admit that this kid, while you know, in a movie and probably a rare case, it's still it, it, it's just a rare case. It's not a non possibility, right? So, but yeah, it's it's just funny mm. you bring that up because we were actually talking about that. But. Yeah, but uh, so you know, off 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 topic 
thing, but yeah, so there was, so there's that. So, and like, so, you know, the, the eldest siblings just dagger eyes, the young, the youngest sibling, and then he Mm -hmm. pisses himself. And so, so that happens. And then we cut to, um, Lecter, and I was getting this impression up up to this point that because um, Abigail's like I don't want to be at the mental hospital anymore, you know I want to be out. But then Doctor Bloom's like, well, no, you need to stay here and you know get your shit worked out before you can you know go off and go into the world. And um, so Lecter su- uh, suggests to Graham that uh, they. Oh yeah, this is where uh, Graham shows up, and he's got the gift for Abigail, which is the mm-hmm. the fly making set. And Lecter's like, "Well, maybe we should, you know, try to take care of her." And so, <laughs> Lecter shows up at at the mental hospital, and is talking to Abigail, and she's finding it easier to talk to him. I guess because of the, you know, I have your secret, you have mine thing mm-hmm. from the other episode. And Lecter's like, um, well, I've signed you out for the night. Why don't you come and have dinner? With he me? also points out that he, he so, also tells her, you know, you can always be honest with me. She was like, hey, and she's like, cause she felt like she couldn't yeah. be honest. And he's like, oh, you can always be honest with me. Yeah. And, uh, Oh, uh, so when when it gets to the scene in Lecter's kitchen and I'm see and you see the water being poured into the teapot and I was like I was looking I was like, what the fuck is that is that shrimp in the tea? No, it's not shrimp. No, it's not shrimp. No, Lecter gives Abigail a glass of psilocybin tea. And uh I've I've never taken shrooms, um, but I don't know. Just she she acted more like she was. Well, she was definitely high because you see how fucking dilated her pupils are later. But I, I wouldn't have expected mushrooms to make you smiley giggly. I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe yeah, that's just me. I thought is that not? I've never had them, so I can't tell. I, so I'm not sure. But isn't that what shrooms do? It might be. Maybe I'm thinking of of LSD. Like you know, you've seen the memes like the cat with the saucer sized dilated pupils. Like no, I haven't seen your LSD. But have you seen mm-hmm. the fucking dragon in the kitchen? But like, so uh, Lecter prefaces this with. Um, Sorry, well, there is nothing for me to repeat. So shut up, Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> but so he's he's talking about it, and then Abigail's like, "So you want me to do drugs?" And he was like, "No, I want you to take this under my supervision." And then Doctor Bloom shows up after she's you know taken the sip. Oh, okay, so she he's he's making breakfast for dinner. So it's sausage with was it like egg and a I pretzel? do not remember honestly. I just knew he was making breakfast for dinner. Yeah. yeah. So she so she takes a sip of the tea, she drops the cup, she goes and sits down. Lecter cleans it up and he's he just like puts his hands on the sides of her head and she's like focus. And she starts smiling. 
Uh, and then we have another, let me see. Uh, okay, yeah. So this cuts back to, um, if I'm remembering correctly, Graham and Jack, and they talk about captor bonding. And uh, then I, th I think at this point, they finally realize that it's not an older teen. I think Graham, even Graham, Graham says it because I wrote down FBI almost has it right with Lost Boys. And then next line is Graham cracks it. So he realizes that it's probably a, a woman because of the, the, what was it? The, it's a, looking, where is it? I'm looking for it. The perversion of motherhood, you know, and that was talked about, you know, earlier in the episode, why are they thinking it's a teenage boy? Mm -hmm. Right. If it's a perversion of motherhood, but anyway, so mm -hmm. he, so Graham cracks it and then we cut to Chris, you know, coming up to his house, knocking on the door, his mother answers. And she's so excited that he's, you know, he's, back because he ran away or whatever and next scene is the fbi just pulling up to the house they storm in you know and i just love how, how lawrence fishburne's just carrying his shot a shotgun at port arms just you know vertical kind of pointed forward like a spear but just walking through yeah, the house so with just a shotgun. Everybody else has got rifles oh, i'm gonna I'm gonna have to stop. And that. and it's not uncommon. <laughs> I'm gonna have to stop uh, that? doing that. But yeah, Lawrence Fishburne. Everybody else got rifles. He's running through with a shotgun. <laughs> and it, it's not uncommon for that. And you know, when mm -hmm. when the police raid a house, because you know sometimes you might because you have the the door knocker to you know initially get the door open, but sometimes <laughs> you know you might take the shotgun, point it at the doorknob and then shoot it. You know, that's probably, I don't know if that's a legit thing or not. That's just, you know, something I've seen right. on TV and movies, but some, someone might actually have a shotgun when it comes to raiding a house. But I, I just thought it was funny. He was just holding it, you know, out like it was a short spear, you know, and I say port arm. So like he's holding it vertically, you know, left hand on top, right hand on bottom, just walking through the house, just holding the shotgun out like he doesn't know what the fuck it is or how to use it. I just thought that was funny. And they get through the house and they go outside into the backyard. And that's where the other lost boys are there. The, uh, the eldest one is holding the gun up and... Did they tackle they him shot or the did they eldest shoot him boy in the, in the shoulder? They tackled the youngest one with the glasses and then he chased the the newest boy over by the pool where the boy pulled out a gun and then Will uh, kept him from shooting. He put his own down. And then it, Molly, you said, right, was the actress's name. And then she just yeah, comes out of the house yeah. and puts her arms around the one boy and is like, shoot him. And I'm like, why did you come out? The whole place is surrounded by police. <laughs> There's a dude in body armor with a rifle right behind the guy that you are telling this kid to shoot. What? Right. And then yeah. she also gets shot in the shoulder. And uh, 
Yeah, uh, see, when it comes to stuff like that, they don't do what makes sense. We we, we I, discussed that I already, chalked right? it up to she, her just being <laughs> uh her being crazy, but I was like that. I mean, if she's going to be that blatant and bold, it I find it weird that they were hiding in any way, shape, or form. It's just I don't know. It was just it was it was silly to me. That was just so silly. Yeah, and, and you're not you're not wrong, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just it was one of those things. So then we cut back to <clears throat> Lecter's house, and Doctor Bloom comes in. She's pissed off at him, but uh, he convinces her to stay for dinner, and. <laughs> Uh, Abigail's already just, you know, sitting at the table all prim, proper, and stoned out of her fucking mind. <laughs> and, you know, Dr. Bloom's like, you were expecting me. And uh, Lecter just answers by pouring a glass of orange juice. And Hannibal's like, Dr. Bloom, you've joined us. We're having breakfast for dinner. And, you know, you just see her pupils being dilated as fuck. And, like, it it, we see it through her vision where the you know Lecter sitting at her at her left left hand side, Doctor Bloom sitting across from her, and the vision just kind of goes fuzzy, and then it's Mister Hobbs and Missus Hobbs, and then goes fuzzy again, and it turns back to Lecter and Doctor Bloom, and Lecter leans over at her, and he's like, "What do you see?" And she just breaks into a big yeah, ass grin. Which Family. I feel like should have. They cut the episode there, but I feel like there's five minutes we're missing of the female psychiatrist, I forget her name, just losing her shit and going, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, it, and this is the thing. She she goes in and she's yelling at Hannibal because they had just recently gotten into an argument where she yelled at him about getting too close to Abigail Hobbs. And uh, then she gets there and he's already got a pl- he's already got a seat and a plate ready for her. He w- and she doesn't comment on like there's there's not even like a weird look from her. She just goes, "Oh, you have a plate set for me." He's like, "Yeah, go ahead, sit down." Like he had a plate, and there were no other plates. It was just an open one for her, his, and then Abigail's. He was waiting for her. It's like Hannibal is sitting here and he's just moving all the pieces <laughs> in the place. And then they were talking about the uh, mm-hmm. what was it that Will said it was where you bond with your captor because if you bond with your captor you survive. Captor bonding. And he was yeah, talking about bonding. captor bonding and I was like that's kind of what's going on. That's kind of what Hannibal is doing. Because he's making things happen in such a way that Will is being kept in it. So Will will ha- either have to learn, it, it, like, that's kind, I don't know. I, I remember having a point about it, and now I can't remember what that point was. Um, but yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was just okay, like, Hannibal is just playing his tune. Like, he, he he's just a dude, I every... I was watching the show, and I was like, this motherfucker is just sitting on his porch with a goddamn fiddle just strumming his tune, and everybody's dancing to it. Like, you motherfucker. 
<laughs> and he's doing it with just the softest, <laughs> right? slowest strokes. Just, just do, 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 do. And everybody's just dancing to the tune. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I have a feeling just like, just like uh, last week when you said when Graham was like, just heaping praise on the copycat killer and you just see the, the, the faintest of smirks mm-hmm. go across Hannibal's face. It, I, I have a feeling it's going to be two and we'll, we'll say two and seven eighths yeah. seasons worth of that. Um, oh, the, the point I was making is that the bot, the capture bonding was very much kind of like the bonding between Abby, Abigail mm-hmm. and Hannibal. Because they've both got each other kind of captured. Hannibal knows her secret. She knows his. If either one says anything, the other one goes down too. So they've kind of captured each other. So they're bonding. And since she seems to have a high potential to be the exact same kind of killer that Hannibal is, he's very interested in teaching her. Um, Also in teaching her, like I, I was watching them talk. And and a and a thing popped into my head, and it said that in te- in teaching a student, a teacher will often learn more about the craft that they're teaching than they themselves even knew. So it's so it feels very much like yeah. in Hannibal, basically trying. It, it does feel like he's kind of he's he's testing whether he can take Abigail on as a protege right and she is already taking mm-hmm. the first steps so now he's just seeing how far it will go um and and they talk about how he was making like little mistakes and stuff and so now he seems to not be doing that he's not making those little mistakes and stuff so yeah it's like it's it's all really just interesting <laughs> Um, like, uh, hmm. and then, and, and, and I also, uh, I have a note here where it was like, John always seems like he's in such a rush, uh, on all these cases, he just seems like he's in such a rush going a hundred miles an hour. And I was like, anyone who's been working cases like these for so long would have more of a, a measured pace, right? Because they understand and you would think, you would yeah, think. It, there's always the rush. We have to find the killer before they kill again. We have to find the killer before they kill again. And that's understandable. But once you've worked in the cases that long, you understand that the only thing you can do is find the evidence when you find it. And then, it, like, you can't rush the process. And anyone in this kind of line of work would also know that the more you rush, the more you'll miss. And the thing you miss could be what saved that next person's life. You can't rush it. You have to go at a measured pace. But he's always in a hurry, always in a hurry, always in a hurry. Um, more so more than more so than anyone else. So um and then at the end Mm. of the uh at the end of the episode, we actually get a little insight into why John is the only one who is ever having dinner with Hannibal, even though Hannibal is like, Oh, you were supposed to you were supposed to bring your wife. Um, we might be getting a little that might be a little bit of insight into why he always seems like he's in such a rush. 
Um, and there's also because there's a part where he's talking to mm. the newest boy because I can't be bothered to remember his name. We'll never see him again. Uh, Chris. OK, Chris. <laughs> uh, he's talking to Chris and yeah. Chris is like, you know, do you have any siblings? Uh, do you have a family? He's like wife. Yes. Kids. No. And he's like, well, then you wouldn't understand. Um, mm-hmm. And can we are we at a point where we can talk about the very end of the episode? OK, and then. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because the because that last part um, about the the dinner that was that's like the next to last scene before uh, Gina Torres right. getting into and bed and what asks, you're about to he, say. He asks his wife after she gets in the bed, "Is it too late for them to have kids?" And she just turns away from him and goes, "It's too late for me." And I'm like, "Oh, that explains a lot." <laughs> that's rough and then I went yeah everybody wants something until they get it <laughs> hmm. right uh, and, and that that just seemed I don't, I don't, and it, it's probably because I just thought she would be in a, a cold a cold ass bitch about it but now that you say you know he's always rushing around trying to do this and that it makes sense now Cause, and and then I also kind of thought about it because you know in uh, actually strangely enough it made me think of Goldeneye when when James meets the CIA contact in Russia and he they do the uh, the challenge phrase and then uh, the I forget what his name was but he's like you know in London April's a spring month whereas in St Petersburg we're freezing our butts mm-hmm. off. Is, uh, Right. And he's like, and then James is like, no, show me the rose. So he pulls down his, his pants and there's like a hip tattoo. It's a rose. And, it, and then it says Muffy above it. And James is like Muffy and CIA guys like third wife. And, and you have to, and you have to think about it when it comes to law enforcement, you know, even, even pol- like regular police. Oh, you motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You ate. Oh, you son of a bitch. Um, when it comes to regular police detectives, you know it's a it's a high turnover rate for marriage because they're always busy trying to solve the next case or stop the next person from dying and you know this that and the other thing. So you know it, it happens where mm. you know marriages go bad. So it made me think of that. But yeah, all in all, uh, a good episode. My only gripe was when when the when Molly's character comes out of the house, like right in front of the police. That's my only gripe. It just makes no sense. I mean, you could you can chalk it up to her just being crazy, Hmm. but I mean, I I feel like that is the lazy (laughs) way of explaining it away. <laughs> I mean, you saw her eyes, though, right? Those were some. Crazy I mean, you're not eyes. wrong. I, I still feel like it's the lazy way of explaining <laughs> that that scene. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> oh, anything else for that before we uh, continue? Anything on? I can think of. Um, it's still a really it, it's still holding really strong in all honesty glad that I, i'm honestly glad we got an episode without the reporter in it 
because she's been in every episode since she was introduced, and I am so tired <laughs> of seeing that horrid bitch. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Not lying. So we're gonna go. We're gonna go uh, straight ahead since we had the the cutoff, and I'll put the sponsor break there. So our main topic: blatant Blade ripoff, rip right? Mm, I'll start with this one that I thought was very interesting. Um, Tracy Chapman awarded $450,000 from Nicki Minaj ripoff. Tracy Chapman? What was the ripoff? Yeah. So Minaj butchered the Chapman classic without permission from the... I'm guessing it's either... uh, Baby, can I hold you? So songwriter Tracy Chapman has been awarded $450,000 after rapper, after the, after rapper, after the famous for being famous, Nicki Minaj ripped off Tracy's baby. Can I hold you? I don't know that that's a Tracy Chapman song I've heard of, but okay. Uh, let's see. So Nicki Minaj butchered the classic without permission, but as taste isn't, isn't a barometer for success anymore, managed to earn mega bucks from her shoddy. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, the, whoever wrote this does not like Nicki. Uh, to be fair, I don't really like Nicki uh, all that much. Not <laughs> like when she first started out, she was cool, <laughs> but. Wait, wait. Is she the one responsible for WAP? Yep. Now you see the problem. (laughs) Funny side note. Funny side note. Yeah. Funny side note, though. There was a video on YouTube that showed a clip of Anaconda, and any time there was twerking, there were fart sounds. I thought that was hilarious. Okay, so what made matters worse for Minaj is that her people reached out to Tracy's people in 2018 and were denied use of the song, but they went ahead and used it anyway. Also, interestingly enough, while Minaj's Sorry was never officially released, it was conveniently leaked and played on the radio. Her legal team argued that fair use argued the fair use argument in court. However, fair law does not cover blatant ripoff. So they settled, actually settled out of court for the 450,000 to save going to court and it costing multiples of that. So there's my first one. And actually, now that I'm thinking of it, I know of a second one, but you go ahead with yours. Okay. Uh, mine also is from the music industry. The first number one on the list is Vanilla Ice's Ice Ice Baby. He was accused of plagiarism <laughs> of Queens and David Bowie's Under Pressure. I listened to them. It is the exact mm-hmm. same thing. Didn't modify it even a little bit. 
and apparently, it, mm-hmm. apparently, all it he he just didn't ask permission to use it. I mean, like you can't just go around whipping off David Bowie stuff and not have anybody notice. Like, what was what were you thinking? Like, well, and and so that that's like, and uh, I'm actually glad you you brought that up because I've always thought of thought of that like anytime i hear under pressure and then like i i'd hear ice ice baby i'm like that sounds the same but then so like i brought that brought this up in chat Mm -hmm. there is a thing called sampling yeah because that's what they said they said he used a sample of it but he didn't ask permission to do so yeah and and it and it, and it's not just David Bowie because anybody you know anybody that knows music knows David Bowie was one of those awesome musicians. Same with uh, oh god, what's his Freddie Mercury and Queen, classic music. No, no, you're fine. That yeah. that that was Sorry the, the that was the, that was the end of it. Just Ice Ice Baby. You listen to it; it's the exact same musical score. Hmm. Uh, okay, so um, this one uh, might not be a blatant ripoff, but it just seems because I had read something about it. Um, Lupin the Third, one of one of my favorite anime from. It's old anime, so yeah. like it came out in seventy seven. Uh. Did oh even even better, um, the anime mm-hmm. movie Castle of Cagliostro, right? That's a ripoff of Lupin. Lupin is a ripoff of uh, um, a book about a French thief named Arsène Lupin. So the like the way I the way it read was Castle of Cagliostro mm-hmm. is a ripoff of a ripoff. And actually, funny enough, they have a uh, a Netflix series called Lupin, which is actually about Arsene Lupin, as far as I know. I'm thinking of giving it a watch. So that's my second one. Not not as not as hard hitting, but it's just it just yeah. came to mind. Okay. Uh, let's see. My next one is Led Zeppelin. Whole lot of love. Accused of stealing Willy. Oh no no no! I went way way past. Okay. Uh, no. My next one is Rod Stewart. Do you think I'm sexy? Accused by George Bean Jor for copying certain parts of his 1978 Taj Mahal. Rod settled out of court and later admitted to unconscious plagiarism. I try. Yeah, like, well, I guess I heard it and unconsciously <laughs> stole, certain, like, exact lines from it and whatnot. I tried to listen to both to see if I could recognize it, but Jorg Benjor is, like, Indian, I think, so I couldn't understand anything that was being said. interesting so well i so think like so it's yeah sung, it's i couldn't tell you what the language was i just couldn't understand what he was saying 
and it didn't sound like <sighs> any form of like <sighs> Spanish or Latin, right? So. Hmm. Hmm. All right. So for my next one, I've got. Uh, I, I don't like that I'm using. Well, I have a, a love hate relationship with cracked, but I've got a cracked article of uh, what is this? Five beloved characters who are actually blatant ripoffs. And number five on the list is Wolverine. Is Wolverine. A ripoff, really? Wolverine was a copy of obscure DC Comics mm. character Timberwolf. Mm, so, I don't know. Well, yeah, because I'm looking at a picture of Timberwolf and then a picture of Logan, and they have almost the exact same hairstyle. So aside from the ill-advised hairdos, parallels between the two are too numerous to ignore. Both are short-tempered members of superhero teams, have wolfish names, have origin stories involving them being experimented on with fictional metals, and have powers which include enhanced strength, agility, and senses. Even their secret identities sound mm. similar, Londo and Logan. So it's saying Timberwolf debuted exactly 10 years before Wolverine. And one of the DC artists who drew him the most was Dave Cochran, who put his personal spin on the character. Cochran eventually jumped ship mm. to Marvel and decided to take some ideas with him. So when Cochran was design, uh, assigned to draw a throwaway soon to be killed off character called Wolverine, he rehashed a bit of Timberwolf. And uh, Wolverine is still, he's not yeah, a, uh, he's stuck. <laughs> not a throw and off. No one ever <laughs> <So>. knew. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so that's mine. Uh, I am <laughs> still in the music portion of mine. So the next one is the Beatles come together. Borrowed largely from Chuck Berry's You Can't Catch Me. Even goes so far as to change one of the lyrics from Here Comes a Flat Top, He Was a Moving Up With Me, to Here Come Old Flat Top, He Come Grooving Up Slowly. Not only settled out of court, but Barry made John Lennon agree to record three more songs to get the royalties off of him. <laughs> Damn, this is just hitting me in the childhood. Fuck's sake. <laughs> I uh, listened to both songs. They don't sound very much alike, but when I went through the lyrics for Chuck Berry's, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And you, you can, if you listen to it, you hear the exact line <laughs> that they're talking about that he changed. It is the same except for the way that they say the flat top portion. Hmm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that's it. I thought it was yeah, interesting that, that then uh, that it for Chuck required him to make three more songs using his song so he could get the royalties off of them. That's hilarious. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, so this is an interesting one. <sighs> so you remember Mortal Kombat, right? 
Uh, Who's the one lightning guy? Raiden. Yes. Did you also know Raiden similarly looks a hell of a lot like uh, Lightning, who was one of the henchmen from the oh yeah i remember seeing that i i actually saw that movie after mortal kombat came out and the moment i saw that character i was like oh it's fucking raiden i literally was like oh it's raiden i was like these dudes just (laughs) i literally was like these dudes just rip raiden off they just fucking put in a raiden character Right. And so I, I guess two for one. Um, Shang Tsung, the game's evil shape shifting soul stealing sorcerer. Well, they all do. Kind of looks like Lopan. Like, an evil, an evil shape shifting century. Yeah, old like I, I remember going, is this a Mortal Kombat <laughs> movie? Because you had like one of the dudes was raided. <laughs> the old man with Lopan was obviously Shang Tsung. He had some of the same powers, I think, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while since I've seen uh, Big Trouble in Little, to- in Little Tokyo or Little China. Little China. Yeah, it's been a while since I watched it. Little but China. I was just like, like, I was literally asking myself if it was a Mortal Kombat movie. Um, like, the other two dudes, you can't place, though. Right, like the other guys, you can't actually place because the one dude who like swelled himself up and then exploded. Um, uh, yeah, him, I don't. You, you can't correlate him with anyone in Mortal Kombat. And then there was the third. There was a third guy, but I don't even remember what he did. Yeah, I think I've only you seen should watch. Part all, you of should Big find it. And watch China all once. of it. It's actually quite a. <laughs> it, it's a good fun ride. It's not a good movie objectively, but it is such a fun ride, and I believe it's a cult classic. <laughs> like I used to watch it all the time when I was yeah, younger. Yeah. When it was like when it was popular and it was out, I used to watch it all the time. Hmm. Yeah, uh, so that's uh, that's my okay. double. So still so in the music industry, we have Led Zeppelin, Whole Lot of Love, uh, accused of stealing Willie Dixon's You Need Love written for Muddy Waters. Robert Plant admitted, just thought, well, what am I going to sing? Lol, <laughs> he just took it. And that's the one that I sent to you. I sent Led Zeppelin's first, and then I sent you his. It's the same mm. song. It's just the same song. And his explanation was like, hmm. basically, he was at hmm. a, uh, uh, what was the story? He was at a, uh, sorry, not what was the story, but what am I thinking? I think he was doing a concert. And so he was at the concert and he didn't have a song ready. And he was like, what am I going to sing? So he just, he had heard that guy's song and he just took it and just sung that at the concert. And no one knew until he got charged. I was like, and, and that was his explanation. It was like, well, I was just thinking, what am I going to say? <laughs> uh, hmm. 
I mean, when you're in that kind of world, you can't just take the L, right? Now, I advise anyone in that position, just take the L. Mm. But... <laughs> like, and the thing is, you, you tend to want to feel a little bit. Uh, you tend to want to feel a little bit for them because it's like that kind of thing can make or break your career. And if it breaks your career, it can be nigh impossible to get it started back up again. So it's understandable the pressure he was on. But don't do that, guys. D- d- don't steal other people's work. Don't do that. <laughs> right. Uh, so this next one I have is very interesting because I actually like this movie. Did you know that characters from the 2001 Atlantis, the lost empire have uh, almost damn near identical resemblances to a 1990 to 1991 Japanese anime series called hmm. Nadia. I've the heard Secret of Nadia, of Blue the Water. Blue Water, and I've mostly avoided it because it looked long and tedious. So no. <laughs> Yeah, so this is also on the cracked article, and I can send this to you if you want. But so it goes, it starts off with Milo Thatch's character, the one from Atlantis, looks like an older version of the bespectacled, uh, nerdy kid from Nadia. Same blonde hair, blue eyes, glasses, bow tie. Um, so we have, so it says, so both star nerdy, bespectacled. Bespectacled skinny dude with a bow tie who meets an exotic jewel wearing chick who turns out to be Atlantean royalty. So then we see a side by side of the of the princesses. Now the big the only the big difference between these two is the Disney princess has long white hair and a face tattoo, whereas the other one, short brown hair, but blue eyes, dark skinned and kind of hot and owns a powerful highly sought after blue pendant that's used to protect the mystic the mythical underwater city so the anime version looks like a like a pylon from starcraft only it's blue whereas the one from the disney movie kind of looks like a mini a mini lantern on a on a pendant and then we get to the crew oh my god <laughs> So you so you remember the doctor, right? The half black, half uh, is that what he was? American from from. Oh, really? Yeah, he was half black, half Native American. So you've got the you've got the black doctor in both. You've got uh, the mustachioed um, in this in the article they call it a mustachioed gunnery sergeant but the italian mm. from atlantis was the demolitions expert and then and then the blonde female first mate and they're almost identical the only difference is the style of drawing and both stories conclude with the magical atlantean girl merging with aforementioned pendant to save her homeland and damn near the same just better animation from disney <laughs> and I really like that movie. That's one it's of my pretty old movies. I, I, I don't doubt it. 
it is definitely in the days when those kinds of things weren't completely pinned down. So I could see it. Mm, but that's my okay. All right, I will also be moving one. over into movies. There is a Chinese movie called Autobots, which is a rip. And I know how that sounds, <laughs> but it's not the movie you're thinking. <laughs> It's actually a ripoff <laughs> of Cars 2. Yup. And they named it Autobots. What? And the only thing they changed about the characters is the paint job and like the shape of their headlights. Mater, though, they turned into a sports car. But that's the that's that that is the end of the changes that they made to the movie. <laughs> so people got color palette swaps. Their headlights got changed a little bit, and then Mater got turned into a sports car. Otherwise, it's the same movie. <laughs> I'm surprised I have, I have a, a lot more time of China on, on my list for blatant, blatant ripoffs, rip but... but most of it is in video games, dude. <laughs> China is like that. China is that dude that like. Uh, there's a story that a YouTuber told, um, a YouTuber I like to watch, he told a story about how he had brought some, uh, he had gotten a pair of shoes from his grandmother as a birthday present, but he had been working a job at the time, so he had already gone out and bought them before uh-huh. he knew she was getting, you know, before he knew about that. So he just had a duplicate pair. So he was telling one of his boys about it, and his boy was like, well, I'll buy them off of you. So he brought them to school, accidentally forgot him in the auditorium. When he realized he forgot him in the auditorium, he ran back and they were gone. The next time he sees them, which is within 24 hours, some dude is walking in them who never had them before. And so they run up on him with his boy and they're like, hey, where you get them shoes from? And he's like, oh, oh, uh, I got them for my birthday. And they were like, yeah, we don't believe like, where you get their shit, and they find out. No, he was the one who took them for the auditorium. That's China. That is literally China. <laughs> like, like, dude, the, I was going through all the stuff that China has been ripping off, and sometimes, dude, China is so bad about ripping stuff off that companies in China sue companies in China for ripping stuff off. Dude, I'm telling you, man, <laughs> China is getting out of hand. They need an ad- China needs a firm ass whooping. I'm not even kidding. China is exactly like that kid who took those shoes knowing they didn't belong to him and then tried to make up a story about how, oh, oh I got them for my birthday. That's China. Those mo- those kinds of motherfuckers need a good solid ass kicking. Well, okay. So in so in uh, in light of that, then I'll turn the rest right, of it well, over uh, to you. Well, if you want, if you want me to do the these. China ones, um, let me see because I've made sure. Um, I think that's the only movie one I have. Surprisingly enough, the biggest mo- the biggest movie ripoffs are uh, 
the biggest movie ripoffs are um, in uh, India, actually. Yeah. So um, in the video game yeah, industry, uh, there's Glorious Saga by Cine Games, which has been shut down as of the time of this podcast. It was shut down. It is a subsidiary of a chi- of Chinese software and tech company Cinecorp. The name is literally Cinecorp. It is a letter away from just being Cinecorp. <laughs> and it's a ripoff of World of hmm. Warcraft. And it's a mobile right. game. It is so much. It is an hmm. exact copy of World of Warcraft. Mm. It is so much of a ripoff that there's a character in um there's a character in World of Warcraft World of Warcraft called Varen. It is a one to one ripoff. Same color, same facial look. Every like it, they took him out of World of Warcraft and put him in this game, and they named him Stormwind King. Guess what? Varen in the lore of World of Warcraft hmm. is the king of Stormwind. So they took him out of the game and just named him Stormwind King. Hmm. <laughs> and then there's another really prominent character in World of Warcraft called Jaina Proudmore. They just named her Jaina Proudmore. They didn't even try to hide it. They just took her out of World of Warcraft, put him in there with her full name, everything. Didn't give a fuck. <laughs> didn't care at all and this went to court because blizzard of course sued them for it and it was taken down um it was taken down august 29th of 2019 so about a what about a year and a half ago about a year and like seven months ago yeah. Um yeah. then we have Heroes like of that, Warfare, yeah. which was done by 4399 in game, a Chinese based company. It is Heroes of Warfare is a direct uh ripoff of Overwatch. The maps are almost identical. Some of the characters are just palette just palette swaps, different colors. They modified them just enough to go, no, this is our own original character, though. Like, Reinhardt, they turned Reinhardt into an anime character, <laughs> but he does, he has the exact same skills. Like, he was the one they changed most, he has the exact same skills. They turned Lucio into a girl, because they were like, see, it's a girl, though. It's not Lucio. Everything else is the same. <laughs> and uh, they gave Tracer like a sort of uh, <laughs> techno hairdo. Like her hair like sort of, it, it all goes up in one thing and then leans over to the left and it's all multicolored. But it's obviously Tracer. Like it is, it is, the, it is the most obvious ripoff. And Blizzard, Chi- Blizzard China, because there's a Chinese division of Blizzard, they sued them for it. That's what I mean. Like, China rips off shit so much, <laughs> China sues China for ripping off shit. <laughs> um, there is a... Now, this one, I couldn't find who did it. And it's a... Let's, it's called Let's Go Pokemon Mobile. 
and it is a fully flesh. It is just a Pokemon game. It's got the same names. Mm. They have the same moves. They look exactly the same. But in all the articles I read, I could not find who made it. <sighs> Couldn't find it. Um, as far as I, as far what the information I could uh, mm. find, I am leaning toward another Chinese company. Um, but I cannot verify it because all the articles mm. that might have had the information wanted me to pay to be a member of their site just to get that information, and I was like, "Well, no." <laughs> um, <clears throat> um, yeah. So mm. it, it, for a, it, it is so it is like it is literally such a copy of Pokemon that people thought it was a Nintendo-licensed Pokemon game. That's how one-to-one it is. People thought Nintendo had done it and were surprised to find out that it was another company ripping them off. um, The next one is Let's Hunt Monsters. This one is by Tencent, based in China. It is a direct knockoff of Pokemon Go. There's a picture of a uh, Caterpie, and then they show a picture of the monster in the Let's Hunt Monsters game, and it is a modified Caterpie. It's the same color scheme, but they made the Caterpie bigger and gave it horns and then did a few other modifications to it. But the moment you see them, you're like, it, it looks like an evolution of Caterpie, basically. It looks like some evolution of Caterpie. Hmm. So, uh, hmm. no further information on whether Nintendo has tried <clears throat> suing them for it or if they're going to. But yeah, that's what Tencent China. Like in the video game industry, China just doesn't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> so that's all yeah. I've got for that's all I've got for video games for the time being. But as far as I as far as I read, China is notorious for video game ripoffs. So you could probably throw a stone at a game, and they've probably made some sort of yeah. mobile copy of it. Um, actually there's a, so I've talked about wish before wish.com or China direct or checkers direct, however you want to refer to it. They had a, they had a tiny little, like 256 games in one controller thing. (laughs) One of the games was super Mario brothers. Just like, like it showed pictures of some of the games and mm-hmm. one of them was like the the starting image of Super Mario Brothers. Mario uh, standing there waiting for you to make him run I forward. Remember. Cuz wasn't I don't know if it was Maybe it was a fan, and I I remember there being a knockoff game called Super Plumber Brothers. 
I don't know if that was done by China. I'm going to have to look into that because I remember a game being called Super Plumber Brothers. Okay. Let me see. So I'll keep talking. next one is I'll, I'll back in the movies. On my Kindle. So we have God to see great ho, which translates to God, you are great which is a 2008 Indian fantasy written and directed by Rumi Jaffrey. It's a knockoff of Bruce Almighty. It has the anchor show host. It's got him having the hmm. dispute with his girlfriend. <clears throat> it's got God pulling him out of it, out of humiliating. Him. It, it's just Bruce Almighty. Like, I saw the cover of it, and I was like, that looks like Bruce Almighty. And then I started write, reading through the description, and it was like, ah, it's Bruce Almighty. <laughs> um, there's a Marvel ripoff uh, called Three Dev Adam which means three giant men it's a 1973 Turkish cult superhero film directed by T. Fikret Ukwak now this though I want to see I want to see this movie because it is Captain America a Mexican pro wrestler Legend El Santo are sent to Istanbul to stop the Turkish mafia who is currently being run by an <laughs> evil Spider-Man. I want to see this movie. I want to see this movie. <laughs> that sounds as bad as I'm sure it's going to be. That sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I found on GameJolt.com Super Plumber Brothers by Arrogant.Gamer. <clears throat> and it looks like it's just basically mm. Super Mario Brothers just re okay. renamed Super well, Plumber yeah, Brothers. Well, yeah, because that would be it. I don't know if it's a fan-made thing, because sometimes fans will make like a spiritual successor because, you know, Nintendo <laughs> won't or Sega won't or whoever just won't. Um, so it's not a knockoff. It is meant to be the sequel to that, mm. but of course they can't name it that because they're not trying to make money off of it, but they, they're, they're trying to make it and they of course can't name it that. So I wasn't sure, but all I remember is that it was called super plumber brothers. And I remember thinking, wow, that's a just blatant knockoff. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> uh, I've I've seen some clips of Bollywood movies that um look very interesting to put it bluntly. Like there's a an Indian superhero who like beat the shit out of like a hundred or not not a hundred, like say twenty um, military officers grabbed all their rifles in one and like, like had them floating between his, like his arms spread mm. out, all floating between him and just making them shoot. <clears throat> and then he like exploded himself into other, um, like he copied, he copied himself and then like, uh, you'd have yeah. to see. It. I, I can't describe it. It's just, it's Bollywood. 
Okay, so we have that one. We have Partner, an Indian 2007 movie, which is a ripoff of Hitch, directed by David Dwan. Uh, Just the same exact movie. They just named it Partner. Which is an (laughs) odd name for that. Like, Hitch at least was like, you know, the the sort of uh, derivative of get, getting hitched, right? And they just were like, partner. Not, like, they might as well have said spouse or significant. Significant other actually would have been a pretty good title for it. They're like, eh, partner. <laughs> <laughs> as lazy as their ability to come up with a movie. <laughs> uh, next is Hum Tum, an Indian 2004 <laughs> movie which is in a knockoff of When Harry Met Sally, and not just a knockoff, but a sequel. And because <sighs> this movie basically has them meeting, having the debate of whether men and women can be friends, then they go their separate ways and meet again after a couple of years have gone by, become friends, and hook each other up with acquaintances of theirs, who then the acquaintances go off to marry each other. <laughs> that actually sounds like it might be worth watching mm-hmm. as well. I don't know. I'm undecided. So then we have Transmorphers. Yeah. Now this one is yeah, made by and this, um, this is a ripoff by an American <laughs> company named Asylum, and they are notorious for this shit. Um, they knew they they roll out numerous low budget direct to video knockoffs. Um, <laughs> to be fair, um, I am perfectly okay with them doing knockoffs of Michael Bay's movies. Fuck it. <laughs> do the knockoffs but I also understand that it's either okay for everybody or not okay for some people it can't be circumstantial so yeah <laughs> that's why they're on the list okay so this is another one Hari Putar <laughs> an Indian 2008 movie and guess what it's probably not what you're thinking oh uh huh. It you probably are thinking that Harry Putar is an imita- is a knockoff of Harry Potter, mm-hmm. which Warner Brothers did try to sue them for the name <clears throat> because it was so similar. But it's actually a knockoff of Home Alone. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> About a kid who hates his family. Wishes they were gone, they do disappear, and then two burglars show up to rob his house, and he has to defend his home. Literally a knockoff of Home Alone. <laughs> um, but it's an Indian movie, so I'm wondering if when he wishes them, his family to be gone, if he did it on a lamp. <laughs> uh... Well, uh, so, so genies are, they're more Arabic than they are Indian. <clears throat> are they? I thought they were pretty prominent in both. Uh, I could be wrong, but um, 
the when I, whenever I hear about genies, it's always referred to as uh, an Arabic thing because uh, they're called jinn in in the Arabic fairy tales. Yeah. <clears throat> but anyways, continue. Yep. All right. Next on our list would be Atlantic Rim. Jesus. <laughs> right? I was I saw it and I couldn't help but burst out laughing. I was like I read the title and at first I didn't even think anything was wrong and it took me a second and then I was like they just named it the other ocean really. <laughs> mm-hmm. So dumb. 2013, guess what? Asylum movie. Hmm. Um, and it had a sequel called Resurrection in 2018. Of course it did. Of course it did. Uh, this one is really This one's actually kind of good. It is called The Almighty Thor 2011. Also by Asylum. A knockoff of Thor, but what makes this one interesting is that it starred uh, Patricia Velasquez from The Mummy, A Knocks and a Moon, Mm -hmm. Richard Greco, who played Loki, the guy from 21 Jump Street, (laughs) and it had Kevin Nash playing Odin. Um... He was from a, NWO wrestling. Uh, yeah, and he was in Secret of the Ooze. I think he was the ooze powered shredder. Was he? Yeah, oh, I, I, did, think I so. did not know that. If that, yeah, if that's the case, I did not know that he played the ooze powered shredder. Yeah, I that's a new one for me. Too. I was not aware that he did a lot of acting. Usually when wrestlers do that kind of acting, it's pretty high profile. I mean, look at John Cena. Like, yeah. and you look at John Cena, you look at The Rock, usually when a wrestler, uh, even um, uh, even Stone Cold Steve Austin, I think he did a movie, and it was very high profile. Undertaker had one guest spot in a uh, old TV series. Um, trying to remember what it was called. It was one about a dude who uh, uh, his wife was raped, and he tracked down the killer and killed him. But then he died soon after and went to hell for murder because he murdered a dude, so he went to hell. And so the devil struck a deal with him to send him back to Earth. And the deal was uh, he get to go back, but he had to capture like 13 or 20-something demons who had escaped. <clears throat> and one of the demons was under an undertaker played one of the demons that he had to get uh, sent back. If I'm not mistaken, or maybe I'm thinking... I oh, know shit. under... <clears throat> hmm? Sorry. Oh, Keep good. The, um, so. <clears throat> so I've got his filmography. So he was Super Shredder. He was the Russian in the 2004 Punisher movie. As you said, he was Almighty Thor. Um, he was Tarzan slash Ernest in Magic Mike. He was, okay, so you remember in the first John Wick, that guy outside that Wick holds the gun up to is like, hi, Francis. Hi, John. That's Kevin Nash. <laughs> <laughs> 
I thought he looked familiar. Hmm. So anyway, anyway, sorry. Continue. Oh, I did. I did not even uh, recognize. Jeez, there are so many things he's been in that I've actually watched and didn't even recognize him. You think I mm-hmm. would? Because Kevin Nash is what, like seven <laughs> two? Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, shit. Uh, six foot ten. Yeah, he's like seven feet tall. How am I not <laughs> noticing this dude? <laughs> <laughs> wow! Oh, I shit straight. Anyway. <laughs> um, all right. And the next one, I don't. Okay, I I wanted to talk about this next one. It's my last one because I okay. don't really agree with this one. I feel like this one's weird. So, Critters, nineteen eighty six, is apparently a knockoff of the nineteen eighty four Gremlin. I could see that, kind of. I mean, I've seen Gremlins. I haven't seen Critters. I would suggest watching Critters. <clears throat> um, it, okay, so you've seen Gremlins. And for those who don't know what Gremlins is, watch the original 1984 one. It's a good movie. Um, but in Gremlins, the main character... Oh, for those of you... I'm going to do spoilers here because that's the only way we can discuss why I don't think that Critters is a knockoff of Gremlins. Um, so if you if you're interested in watching Critters or Gremlins without any spoilers, just go ahead and in the stop your listening of the podcast here and go watch those movies before you come back to hear the rest of the discussion. Um, <coughs> Gremlins is basically uh, the main character. Uh, well, not the main character. The father of the main character wants to get his son a birthday present. And he wants to find something like no one else has, some kind of exotic, crazy, uh, can never be top birthday present. So he ends up going to little China. In mm-hmm. the, I forget where they're at. I, I forget the, the state. But he goes to like the little China that's there. And he goes into this back alley to this old shop. And there's this old Chinese man that runs it. And he sees what's called a mogwai. And it's this little, furry, cute, adorable animal. And so he asks the shop owner, hey, I'll buy that off of you. What's your price? And he offers the guy like three, four, five hundred dollars, which back in that time was a lot of money. Um, <laughs> and the shop owner will, and the shop owner refuses to sell it to him. Tells the dude to get out. So main character's father leaves, but he gets beckoned by the little boy that works for the shop owner, and he offers to sell him the mogwai once the old man goes to sleep. So that he meets the the little kid later on. Pays him like four or five hundred bucks. I forget the exact amount, but gives him the money and gives him the mogwai. He tells him the rules. Hey, the it's cute and it's cuddly and it's lovable. Do not feed it after midnight. Do not get it wet. Period. Done. Those are the rules. No feeding after midnight. Don't get it wet. The father of the of the main character is like okay. Takes it home. Gives it to his son as a birthday cre- present. Uh, the main character. Main character's like, oh, this is great. Dad. Oh, it's so cool. And his dad's like, ah. And he's like, I love you, dad. He's like, oh, I love you, son. And he's like, you know, and it's like, uh, and his dad tells him the rules. Hey, make sure you don't, you do not feed them after midnight. 
Do not get them wet. Okay. Son is the main character is a responsible kid. He was raised to be a responsible kid. He understands the rules. Happen chance completely outside of his control. Of course, the Mogwai gets wet. What happens hmm. when the Mogwai gets wet, you ask? It multiplies. It basically multiplies. Water makes it split itself into like clones. And each clone has its own personality. Think of a person with uh, pers- uh, uh, schizophrenia. Yeah, schizophrenia or, or uh, what's it called? Uh, split personality disorder. There you go. Think of a person with split personality disorder and that all those personalities can come out of the person and they have their own bodies and couldn't go off and they're independent and can do whatever they want. That's what happens. He splits into like five more of them. Um, and one of them has this white mohawk stripe on his head. And <laughs> that one's obviously, from get-go, the bad one. Um, especially since the original Mogwai, who they named Gizmo, if I'm not mistaken, um, yep. he is scared of the one with the stripe. And the one with the stripe becomes the immediate leader of the other four. So... You know, the kid is like, oh, well, okay, we'll just have to make sure they don't they don't ever get wet again. And everything's fine, except for the other four, the other five are evil. And, well, one night, the main character is eating some chicken, and he, he ends up passing out going to sleep. And he leaves some, and some is left on his plate. Well, the... The uh the five new Mogwai Stripe, I think they just called him Stripe as a nickname, but Stripe and the other four, uh, they finagle some stuff, jury rig some stuff up, and they pull the plate into their box and they eat, and it's after midnight. What happens if they eat after midnight? They go into a cocoon and undergo a, a metamorphosis, and when they come out, they come out as basically gremlins which are these reptilian scaly fanged red eyes like short little monsters like now the mogwai is pretty much big enough to fit in your hand like it can stand and sit on your hand when they turn into Mm -hmm. gremlins they're about the size of small children Mm -hmm. with claws um, and once they turn into gremlins, they just go all throughout the neighborhood causing all kinds of havoc. Like, they kill people. There's one scene where they fuck around with an, uh, an elderly person's, um, what is it called? It's one of those chairs where it's motorized and connected to the wall so that they can sit in it and it'll take them up the stairs. It's one of those. Well, they Mm -hmm. fuck around with it and supercharge it and it shoots that person out the upstairs window. (laughs) So these things aren't fucking around. Um, And then Stripe goes and finds like a fountain area and puts his finger in and just starts multiplying all these gremlins. And they just start tearing the place apart. Um, and I believe the main character beats him. The main character beats him. Like he beats, he defeats the other four, kills all of them, chases Stripe. And I. 
actually, did he beat them in the first movie the same way he beat them in the second movie? I am not sure. It has been so long since I watched either of them. Uh, Same for me. That's why I'm having a hard time remembering. Because if I'm not mistaken, in the in the first one, because he because because Stripe does multiply himself in the first one because there's a scene of the street and you just see tens of them coming out into the street. Like there's just a whole mob of them. And I believe the way he ends up defeating them is in the <clears throat> fountain. Ha- it's like a greenhouse with a fountain in it. And he goes in there and he, I think, I want to say he lures them all in or Stripe has beaten him up so much that he can't really move. And so Stripe puts his finger in the fountain and starts multiplying again. But he gets his hand on some kind of electrical cord and he electrocutes Stripe and everyone else. Like, literally electrocutes him until there's nothing left but his bones. Um, hmm. I, yeah, I forget. I, I have to watch the movie again. But that's basically Gremlins in a nutshell. That's pretty much how it plays out. Critters... Right. There's a spaceship that is coming near Earth, and then it like has its damage, and it and it lands on Earth, and then the critters get and and, and like I don't know how many, but the critters get out. Now the critters for me, like Gremlins was Makraba, and it had that sinister horror undertone, but for the most part, it was a goofy kind of movie. And it was a movie that took place on Christmas, so it was a Christmas movie too. Like the family is all getting ready for like fucking Christmas and shit. Um, so in Critters, the spaceship falls near a small like farming community or farm town, and people start finding cows that have been stripped to the bone, and then people start going missing. And then the main character and uh, uh, there's like three main characters. There's like two hunters. I There's like two hunters. There's uh, a small boy and then there's his older adult friend. And they're the ones helping. They end up helping the hunters to try to track down the critters. But the critters are just going around eating people. There's this one scene where they all band together and turn into this huge like sphere and they start rolling after the fleeing farm members like people are running across okay, a field yeah. and it's like rolling and when it rolls over someone they just strip that person to the bone like these things don't fuck around they have uh they have like needles in their backs that they can like they'll they'll like uh, turn into a ball and they'll shoot the needles out and the needles are uh, they have like sedatives that knock you out. Uh, they they eat anything. They don't care what. Like there's this uh, there's another scene where they get into uh, like a uh, I think it's like a food truck and they're just eating everything in the food truck and the more they eat the more they can multiply but they don't multiply like the gremlins they actually lay eggs and the eggs just mature very quickly there's a scene where the hunters find a basket of eggs and they just crush and destroy all the eggs so they can't make any more but the gremlins will go around and not gremlins the critters will run around 
and they'll hide them in certain places. Like one kid finds a bunch of them in the top of a barn uh, and nothing Mm. else looks disturbed. So it's like, but eventually they go about, you know, uh, they finish killing all of the critters and uh, one of the uh, the bounty hunters gets killed, and the kids' fr- uh, old uh, older adult friend gets uh, basically hired to become the new bounty hunter, and so he goes off into he, he goes off in the space bounty hunting. So it's it's weird that they would be like, oh, they're the exact same movie. The plot's exactly the same. I guess. On a basic level, I can kind of see it because it's about these little creatures that they have to take down and people band together. To but I mean, like, well, that's every monster movie. The the, the monster mm. shows up, fucks things up. People have to band together or become inventive, and then they beat the monster at the end. That's every fucking monster movie. So if that's the, if yeah. that's the criteria, every monster movie is a ripoff of whatever the first monster movie that came out is. <laughs> mm. So I, it, it is said that Critters is a knockoff of Gremlins. I don't think I can agree with that. Like I, I can't yeah. agree with that. Okay, so I'll finish it off with two honorable mentions. Movies came out nearly the same time, almost identical with a couple differences. You might have heard of them. Um, Armageddon. And Deep Impact. That's the first set. Okay. Came out about the same time. It was summer releases. So, you know, Armageddon was the asteroid. Deep Impact was a comet. You know, you have the crews of people going up to try to destroy it. And, oh, what was it? So the the big key difference, Deep Impact, the comet only got broken half and mm-hmm. and one piece still hit the earth armageddon asteroid broken half both pieces missed yay so then there's another pair came out about the same time very similar so you probably heard of dante's peak right yeah i the remember dante's peak and volcano so dante's peak is a ripoff of volcano well they're they they came out at the same time, like maybe a month or two apart. So maybe not so much a ripoff, but copying because you had the, the volcano and the, you know, the picturesque mountain city explode in volcano. It took place in California and a volcano came out of the, the La Brea tar pits. Mm-hmm. So maybe not so much a ripoff, but very, very similar. That's why they're honorable mentions. Okay. <laughs> All right. So final thoughts. Uh, Hannibal's still good. Uh, Blood of Zeus is just a hilarious ridiculousness. Um, jeez, that that show is just so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. Uh, if the writers of Blood of Zeus are listening, 
you should not be proud. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> like I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna sit here and yell at you and be like you fucked up characters, you have a bad storyline or anything like that. To be because to be completely honest, I'm having a lot of fun watching your show. But your show is terrible. <laughs> show me having well me having fun watching your show is in an ironic way because it's so bad I'm finding it funny so do not put hmm. this on your resume <laughs> hmm. just ugh. <laughs> so <laughs> but Hannibal's still good. I don't like that. Uh, I do not like that moment with uh, uh, with Molly's character coming out when she did. I, I I cannot come up with a good reason for why that would why that would happen. It just makes plot no armor. sense to me. It's not even plot armor. It's just the character being dumb. Like she got shot and arrested. Like they like. It's like the show did something I thought was done, then immediately corrected it. They were like, oh, yeah, she did something done and immediately paid the price for it, right? So it's like hmm. the show did something stupid, but then it immediately did something smart to correct the problem. If she had done that and then gotten away, oh, that would have been a different conversation. <laughs> like, but, uh, but no, um, but it's still that episode was still I really enjoyed watching that episode still overall. So once again, still good, still going strong. Um looking forward to watching more. Um uh as far as blatant knockoff and, and ripoffs, China currently seems to be the king. And needs his ass whooped for it. <laughs> um, will it get that? Probably not. Everybody is interested in getting their mitts into that Chinese market right now, trying to make their money. So any slights or outright terrible shit that China does, uh, everyone is just going to give them a pass on. They don't care. Um, hmm. So, but yeah, yeah, those are my, those are pretty much my thoughts. Mm. All righty. Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed uh, this going to be a three hour part two, but that's fine. We had fun with it. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, looking forward to seeing you back next week. Uh, you can follow us on social media. We have Twitter, we have locals, and you can always send us an email Email is gamingsessions.podcast at gmail.com. Locals is gspod or yeah, gspodcast.locals.com. Twitter, I think, is gspcast at gspcast. So, you know, hit us up, tell, you know, say hi, tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to hear us talk about next. Like I, like I keep saying, give us some feedback, tell us what you want to hear. And on that note, send us out. Yeah. So everybody continue having a good day. Continue having a good week. Be safe out there. And hopefully we'll be talking to you again next time.